Hey everyone, welcome to episode 7 of the Enlightened Neanderthals podcast. We have a guest today. Her name is Courtney Fleming and she has been a professional in the firearms industry, I believe since she was a teenager. She is currently the sales manager for Benchmark Barrels, a custom or I guess precision barrel making company right here in Arlington, Washington. She writes pistol reviews for magazines and she is a co-host of a show on Handgun TV. Uh, and she is herself an accomplished long-range shooter, which is awesome. I wanted to take a few minutes in this introduction and talk about my own company, Training Northwest, which I founded almost exactly a year ago uh, because we are a firearms training company, and it sort of ties in with the theme of the show. So Training Northwest was conceived out of the insanity of 2020 and 2021, and looking around and just seeing how many folks were just really quickly willing to be sort of bullied and coerced. And I started realizing that, uh, I don't even know how it popped in front of me. It must have been on social media. I saw the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And the base of the triangle is food, water, shelter, and safety slash security. And I realized that when you can't provide those things for yourself, and you're reliant on someone else for your food, water, shelter, and safety, which most of us in America are, then you don't have a lot to stand on if you are going against the flow. And so I started thinking to myself, well, how, how do I, what can I do to sort of correct this situation? And because of my experience in the 75th Ranger Regiment and as a CIA contractor, the obvious answer was to teach um, firearms training, um, basic safety, marksmanship, and self-defense style uh, firearms. And so that, that is how Training Northwest came to be. And during that time, uh, my business partner, Greg Anderson, who some of you probably know from his Endless Endeavor podcast, he and I bought 30 acres in Granite Falls right at the base of the Cascade Mountains. We cleared some space, made a firing range, and that is where we run our courses. Um, we have levels one, two, and three, the idea being to build some progression into our students. We don't want to just get you out for a three-hour class. We, you know, I use the analogy that you wouldn't go to a gym and lift weights for three hours and just say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm fit. Send me to the NFL combine, coach. Uh, carrying a gun is a lifelong commitment to uh, continual training and continual proficiency. You can't take a three-hour course and be ready to stick a gun in your belt. Uh, so that is why we have the level one, two, three classes. And just recently announced, we're going to do a three-day uh, rifleman camp. Come out and you're going to be living out in the woods out of a tent and a sleeping bag or whatever you provide for yourself. I'm leaving it up to students. You can uh, you can bring a tent or you can do what we did in the Rangers and travel light, freeze at night. It's up to you. Um, but there are only four slots left in that class as I'm recording this. So if that's something that interests you guys, uh, get on our website, trainingnorthwestllc.com. And the concept of this class is we are basing it around the American Minutemen. And if you know your Revolutionary War history, Minutemen were workaday farmers, shopkeepers, blacksmiths, and, you know, just everyday civilians who made a commitment that if the British were to land an invasion force, they would keep their musket and all their equipment ready to go at a minute's notice. Um, so, you know, in, in, if you look at what's going on socially in our country, more and more, 
it seems like it might be a good idea for men to be ready to stand up and protect their families and communities. So this is an opportunity to come out, get all your equipment shaken out, actually live out of your backpack as though you had to leave your house at a minute's notice to go, uh, go defend your community. And all of the course material is based around what the Army calls uh, skill level one tasks, which are tasks that any private first class is expected to know cold. So we have marksmanship, uh, land navigation and map reading, first aid, and we may dabble a little bit into ham radio in this one. Uh, I, I'm, I myself am not quite, you know, educated, experienced enough yet with the ham radios to really teach it. So I think what I'm going to do is encourage people to bring one if they have one, and we'll spend a little time talking about radio theory and how to program them. But I don't think I'm going to go too into depth in it this year. Um, all right, I think that's all I have. Again, trainingnorthwestllc.com. If you're in the area, come on out and see us. And if you're not, check out our three-day rifleman course. It'd be worth, uh, be worth the travel. All right, guys, enjoy episode seven. Break. You have, an excuse. You have the best <laughs> excuse ever. Absolutely. All right, guys, welcome to uh, episode seven. Is this seven? Of the Enlightened Neanderthals podcast, we've got a guest in here with us today. Uh, Courtney Fleming is. Can we call this in studio? This is the studio. This is yeah. the studio. Okay, yeah. so Courtney Fleming is in studio, and I met Courtney when Mike Glover came out and taught his fieldcraft survival class at our range in Granite Falls. She was out for the class, and it became very quickly obvious to Greg and Casey and I, who were the range safety officers that she knew her way around a rifle. <laughs> yeah. And so afterwards we made a point of uh, having a little conversation with her to find out about her background. And immediately my thought was, oh man, she needs to come out as a uh, instructor for the ladies only course at Training Northwest. Um, but again, she has the best excuse for potty breaks and for not being a pistol instructor this year because she's expecting her first baby, correct? Yep, a uh, little boy. Awesome. Congratulations. That's, that's, that's awesome. Very excited. Um, when do you do? August, maybe. They just moved it up because he's a big baby, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. he's, he's ready. Yeah. All right. Well, Courtney, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Tell us about yourself. Um, I'm here from Stanwood. I grew up by... Haven't really spent much time at all outside of Stanwood. Like, I spent a summer in Alaska, but that's about it. All right, and uh, so born and raised right around here. And how? Did, and she? And really, the the reason we're we're all excited to talk to you is the you know you are an accomplished. Maybe you would argue with that long range shooter, and you work for a precision. What do we call it? Custom barrel maker? Yeah, yeah. We make precision long range barrels for a number of different types of rifles, but you know, mostly bolt action stuff. We don't do ARs or anything like that. But um, can we say the name of the company or is that? Of course. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, it, and you go ahead. <laughs> it's Benchmark Barrels. Yeah. Okay. We're located right in Arlington. And what is your role at Benchmark? I'm the sales director. So, pretty much if you call there, I'm who will answer the That's, phone. We're getting you on the phone. Yeah. On okay. emails and whatever else. <laughs> Okay, so go back now, growing up, Stanwood, how'd you get into long-distance shooting? Well, uh, it didn't start with long-distance shooting at all. Like, my dad just raised us outdoors, hunting, fishing, doing whatever, you know. And um, it was my dad, so he actually built, him and my neighbor, who was like family, they built one of the machines at Benchmark Barrels. 
And so they became, you know, good friends with the owners and different things like that. And uh, with that, my dad started long distance shooting. So he, you know, just taught that to me, just like everything else. And um, so I've been in the firearms industry. For, I was counting on the way here. I can't believe it's 12 years. Um, I was still in high school, actually, when I started working at the gun counter at Wholesale Sports, which was like previously Sportsman's Warehouse. I couldn't even like sign any pistol transfers because I wasn't 21. I was 18, you know. And so that was a full experience. But, you know, it just kind of went from retail sales into, you know, working at the custom barrel shop. And, you know, then it's really just became passion, long range hunting and shooting and all that. Okay. Is that how you met your husband as well? I met him when I worked at Wholesale Sports. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We've been together for like 10 years. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Right on. And does he do the long range shooting and hunting with you? Um, he shot a match. He's not big into competing, but he loves hunting. So he does okay. a lot long range hunting. But he's not, like, we're the same way. You probably wouldn't get any of us to a competition, but we love shooting. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay. He, yep. he loves coyote hunting. That's his uh, number one passion. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's his favorite. Where's it? Where's he go for that? Mostly Eastern Washington or? If, if we have time, you know, but yeah. mostly here, um, okay. we have, you know, a lot of private farms in different places that we have access to. There's a dumpster behind the Wendy's that's pretty <laughs> hot <laughs> on Wednesday. Yeah. Say so when they clean out the fryer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. All right, so was, was Benchmark already there, or have you been with Benchmark from the beginning? Oh, no, they've been around for like 20 years. Yeah, oh, okay. so I'm okay. new in their lifespan, like seven years I've been there. What was what was the um, tool that your, your dad made a machine, you said, in mm -hmm. the garage or something? Or like what, what your... Well, no, so my dad's a machinist by trade, so okay. he's a millwright, and he builds all sorts of stuff. So um, they built a barrel drill, a custom barrel drill. Okay. I think he might have done one of the reamers as well, but the barrel drill was kind of like the big thing that he did. Okay, is, so is like the tooling considered secret, or is that like a, uh, like, is that a, like a proprietary type deal? Because I've always wondered, how do, like a barrel's pretty narrow, <laughs> and to run a drill bit through 22 inches of metal that's only, I don't know, an inch in diameter without breaking it is kind of fascinating to me how they do that. Yeah, I don't actually know how they right. do the drilling and stuff. Okay. I okay. mean, we have, of course, I go over there and I've seen the machines run and stuff, but I've never run them. I don't know what the pressures or the speeds or feeds or anything that they run looks like for that. But, I mean, some of the barrels that we drill are upwards to 40 inches and three quarters or an inch and three quarters in diameter, two inches sometimes. So, um, typically they're not that small, like, okay. like one inch is a pretty small diameter for us to drill out. It yeah. starts at, you know, solid bar stock and then goes down from there. Okay. And then I saw, I also saw, I was kind of cruising the website. Do, uh, I mean, obviously they do make carbon fiber barrels, mm -hmm. which are crazy light. Do they have the ovens to bake the barrel right there, or is that something that's outsourced? So we do the carbon fiber barrels in-house. Really? And okay. that's our, our like our newest product. Yeah. So we um, we got CNC cut rifling um, as one of the uh, processes that we offer a couple years ago, a couple, three years ago. And with that, um, we knew like kind of the next step forward was to offer carbon fiber barrels. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, that's just been a huge game changer for us. I mean, that's where the market's going. Everybody wants a carbon fiber barrel. God damn. They're so cool. <laughs> yeah. So and expensive. What, and expensive, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I finally held a gun the other day that it had a carbon fiber barrel on it. And right of all, first of all, you notice just the weight difference. But are there other aspects to having carbon fiber, like performance for accuracy? 
Or it, does it have effects like the longer you shoot it and it heats up your barrel or it doesn't heat up because heat transfers different with carbon fiber? Right. I'm interested in carbon fiber because like <laughs> you're saying, it is kind of the craze. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody is. Um, carbon fiber's biggest thing is the weight. Of course, there's this aesthetics behind it as well. It looks it's, really nice. Is the actual, like, the riflings where the bullet is making contact with the bullet made of carbon fiber? Or no. is it a steel core? No, it has to be steel on the okay. inside. Yeah, so the carbon fiber is just a wrap over the top of the steel barrel. Um, the drawback against carbon fiber is the resin holds heat. And so we use a low resin process to prevent, you know, a bunch of heat building up inside of your barrel between the carbon fiber and the steel portion, you know, because mm -hmm. the heat's going to come out of the steel and it's just going to sit in there. Yeah, you could put a thermometer on the outside and it's going to say, oh, yeah, it's not hot, but that's because it's not coming out. So we use a low resin process that's going to prevent the heat from um, being stuck in there. Um Carbon fiber, it's not going to, like, burn out any quicker um, than a regular barrel. Um, there's less steel there, you know. The more steel, the better. Um, so you're kind of, like, overcoming the amount of steel that's been removed and trying to replace it with carbon fiber. So it's not a direct replacement of a steel barrel of the same size. Oh, you know is, I mean? So is a steel barrel more accurate? A big steel barrel is going to be more accurate than a carbon fiber barrel, absolutely. Is oh, that because of, like... Uh, after one shot or is it like one shot it won't make a difference but like in a competition when you're com competing and like repeating shots and shots yeah is that where it's going to make the difference or yeah. so for a hunting aspect it's like go carbon absolutely yeah. yeah i mean carbon fiber or you could go with a lightweight you know steel barrel that's fluted and all that you know that's oh, going to yeah. get you pretty close in weight but yeah if you took a steel barrel of the same diameter as the carbon fiber barrels outer diameter you're going to get better results with the steel barrel just you know kind of is what it is mm. but the carbon fiber looks good has the weight loss proponent so that's like the big selling points on carbon fiber is there is there certain uh manufacturers that you guys deal with mostly like i was looking on your website earlier mm -hmm. and it had like a sig like i think it was sig Oh, so we made the drop-in barrels for the SSG 3000. We don't, like, have any barrels that we provide. Is that a Terminator or a right? What are we talking about? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just this bolt-action rifle. SIG doesn't import them anymore, mm -hmm. so you can only buy them on the used market. Um, but they're a really cool barrel. It's like that, a precision rifle. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. know SIG was in that market. Okay, Yeah, awesome. yeah, it's, it's an older rifle, yeah. The Sour 202 is um, along the same variety of that as well. Okay. So is that is that just super popular, and that's why you guys provide that or is there i wouldn't say it's super popular you know okay. none of you guys in this room have heard of Even it so it's not it, yeah. super popular <laughs> but um it has a following it has a cult following it has the ability to have a um drop in barrels which is hard to find you know just being able to take a barrel home and not have to have any special tools but a couple allen wrenches to put a barrel in is pretty rare Okay. So that's why that's cool. But yeah. So as far as like manufacturers that we work with, um, most of our stuff goes to custom gunsmiths. So we have, um, you know, a long list of custom gunsmiths that order our barrels. And then we have, you know, a major reseller, Red Hawk Rifles. They um, have our barrels on the shelf. And then a lot of gunsmiths or, you know, just regular retail buyers will buy from them and then take them to a gunsmith. What's what kind of what kind of setup 
would you be running then? Like in, in your, cause I was, I was trying to find out more about you guys and I saw that there's like a, a league, a rifle league. What's the, like a long, is it long range rifle league? PRS or NRL? Are they both? Am I right on both accounts? Yeah, you're on both accounts. Yep. Yep. So those are just like the two main, um, competition varieties. So, I mean, like I would run a completely different gun for hunting than I would for precision rifle. So yeah. my precision rifle has got a heavy, I wouldn't say it's like a perfectly straight bull barrel, but it's a straight taper. It's called an MTU. Okay. I run that, um, at like 24 inches for a six millimeter Creedmoor. I run a suppressor on it if I can in the state, you know, that I'm shooting in, but I don't do much out of state anyways. Yeah. Um, and then I run it in a chassis. And so uh, I use the KRG Bravo chassis. I've had it shortened. What is the, di- uh, so I, this is something I recently learned, but for all the people who don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> what is a chassis and what is the difference? Um, you know, I'm not very good at explaining this. So a stock is like, um, it's fiberglass or carbon fiber, typically lighter weight, but you can get heavy fills in the stock and they're made in a mold. Um, you can get, uh, adjustable cheek pieces and stuff, but the chassis are a lot, uh, better for, you know, accessorizing. You can put Arca rails on the front and then typically they'll have like a better drop in than like a, a stock wood. So you can just kind of mount Got it. Gun and in there and not have to bed it. The way I understand it is that a stock is more the traditional look of what we all expect a rifle to look like. Yeah. And when you guys see these crazy precision rifles that almost look like the buttstock is skeletonized because it has an adjustable comb and an adjustable you know length of pull and whatnot, that, that's what she's talking about with a chassis where it's a little more, exactly. looks a little bit more like industrial machinery. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, that's a good explanation yep. of it, I'd say. Okay, and so that that is a competition rifle for you versus, Mm -hmm. and then what's a hunting rifle? So for the hunting rifle, I'm sorry, real quick, what does it weigh? Would you say a is a competition rifle generally going to run heavier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's probably about 17 pounds with a loaded mag. Yeah, it's heavy. But some of these guys are shooting like 20 plus pound rifles, so that's not even that heavy. Wow, really? (laughs) Yeah, and that's with optics and everything. Yep, optics, loaded mag. Yep. But that's what you want, right? Yeah. Like, Wait's your friend. Okay. Yeah. I have a, a buddy that would shoot um, competitions, and he was saying, like, it got to the point where you're wrestling with setting up your 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 gun and everything else more than actually shooting. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's kind of the, you know, they have all these devices to hold your gun. and you know, Yeah, it's people just, come with two tripods. Yeah. Yeah. yeah man, that... That, that's actually what turns me off about the competition part of it is that I want some sort of real world, real world human input. Yeah. Cross. Well, just like if it's not a gun I can take into the mountains hunting or survival type situation, then I don't really want to train with it because it, it becomes impractical to me other than for putting it on a b- tripod for a competition. So there's two, um, like I would say like leagues essentially that we would um, be good for you for that. So the NRL hunter league, you would use a lighter rifle. They limit you on the tools that you can bring to the line. Whereas if you're just like shooting PRS open or NRL open or whatever, you can take whatever and people add weights to their guns, different things like that. It's crazy. So if you shoot the NRL hunter, you are taking the light gun, less stuff. And then it's more of a hunting type scenario when you're, you know, actually shooting a lot of it will be blind stages. So you come to the fire line you don't 
don't know the distance, you don't know where the targets are, and they give you a description. You have to range under time, so it puts a lot more stress like into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. A lot and more I, real actually, world. So I've been following the NRL Hunter uh, Instagram account, and it makes me think of you two because I'm like, God damn, this is this is something the three of us need to learn to do because I, I know you two would get into it as well. But it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. You does benchmark? I I was again researching the stuff and I saw a video and you guys like provide rifles for something or no so we're not involved in that I think my barrels might have been on that uh rifle donor setup but that's uh solely with the National Rifle League the okay NRL. Yeah. that's okay yeah. so the other league that is really great that um you know we're tied in well with is the um rifleman's team challenge so you actually get to shoot as a team I think the NRL hunter has a team set up as well but this is like kind of where a lot of the match shooting came from was the uh the or sorry the rifleman's team challenge and so a lot of it's in washington um they have some in montana and i think they have an oregon and maybe an idaho match too but it's mostly in washington montana um and really really great people it if you want to go try out a match and shoot a long range match that number one would be my top match to go to they actually have one coming up next month uh the carstetter in the state Memorial. yeah yeah it's in wilbur Oh, I grew up yeah. right there. Oh, uh, do you really? Well, I grew up in Omac, so oh, okay. yeah, not far from there. Yeah. What's what what kind of setup would you need to do that? Like is there a list of like this is what you need if you want to get into it? Yeah, so some people go with their factory hunting rifles. Yeah, it's just we, more challenging. Oh, yeah. wow. I I think honestly, well, first of all, we used to in mountain bike racing, we used to have a saying, run what you brung, meaning don't get too wrapped up in the equipment, just mm -hmm. worry about maximizing the equipment you have. And I think it's B, these competitions would be a great way to get really familiar with whatever rifle you're actually going to take hunting. What better way to get familiar with it than to go do one of these competitions with right. it? Not, not worry yeah. about placing first, second, third. Worry about learning your equipment. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to, to kind of force you to get familiar with your equipment in all these different scenarios and situations. And I, I think there's just unbelievable value there for training. What's what's the uh, the price point of like entering these competitions and stuff like that? Um, I think it's a couple hundred dollars for entry fees. Typically, we should we should do one of the teams. Oh, 100 yeah. percent, and and just go and like give it a, yeah. give it a can go. You, that would be awesome. Can you drink chiladas while you're on the firing line? Or is, is that frowned on? Probably after the day is over. What's the distance you're normally shooting? Um, you sometimes they'll have like a quick little 100 yards, but typically you're like four to 1200. Jesus. Yeah. We need we need yeah. some work. Yeah. We, need we, some need <laughs> we need some training. Yeah. 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 But those are the best but guys. That's, that's to go what with. Courtney's here for. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days. yeah. Her, um, uh, I'm gonna have to talk to your son in 15 years and explain to him. Listen, you you screwed up my plans for learning long range shooting, <laughs> but uh, delayed it a little yeah, bit. <laughs> exactly. We'll have to wait a year or two. Always uh, trying to hurry up and get out, huh? Right? Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> So what does the top of this food chain look like in the competition series? Like, what does it get you, like, sponsors? Yeah, I was just going to say, is this full of, like, factory-sponsored shooters, or is it more of, like, good old boys who like to shoot long range? Um, <laughs> that's a hard question. I, you know, a lot of the good shooters, they, they work really hard to, you know, get good sponsors on board for them. Um, but that's something that they have to go out and they have to ask for, you know, there's not really anybody, there's probably a couple people that'll have like factory rifles, but pretty much everybody has custom rifles. So they have a gunsmith sponsor. They have a um, barrel sponsor an action sponsor, stock sponsor, ammunition. If they shoot, you know, ammunition, or if they get do reload 
loading. They'll have a brass. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of work for those guys to do that. And is this enough to make a living no. off of just where they can just shoot or most have a normal nine to five and they're extreme hobbyists? Kind yeah, of people. yeah, they're extreme hobbyists. Okay. Um, there's, you know, the Armageddon gear really has, um, what's their match That's a called? great name. Armageddon, Armageddon gear. gear. Oh, yeah, they make some good stuff, but they have a match. I can't think of the name off the top of my head right now, but they're really trying to take it to um, a pro league um, where there's a big paychecks for that match. Um, yeah. So that's really cool to see. Yeah, fuck yeah. So is there like a Vegas? Like, is there a national? I mean, yeah. for darts. I mean, they're, they're like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're like, curling, oh, curling made it to the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Yeah. So, I mean, is there like a national level shoot or, and then beyond that a world where they kind of recognize these are the best or is that where the Olympic starts to come in with shooting? Yeah. Is, isn't that really an Olympic That's sport? True, but it's 22 rifles though, isn't it? In the Olympics? Yeah. I have no, like a, is that indo- really? I think it's an indoor, yeah, it's like a 25 yard. Yeah, That's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, Here's a BB gun. Go win America a gold. <laughs> right. 22s, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, so there is um, national level matches. So, like, um, the PRS, you have to shoot and qualify. Same thing for the National Rifle League. So, once you have won or placed well enough in, uh, I think you have to shoot three matches to be able to have enough points to be able to qualify. And I think they take an average of your three best matches. Um, And then that will put you into the uh, range where you can go to one of those national level matches. Um, And I think they have them at different places every year. So, NRL has that. PRS has that. And then Rifleman's Team Challenge has that too, but it's more of like anybody can go and this is the you know season finale essentially and it's um you know it's again kind of more local washington okay um, we gotta do it the rifleman team challenge sounds yes. like uh right up our alley so highly if, recommend so if you win do you get like a thousand dollars or something or you a, get a free chalada <laughs> yeah in a thousand rounds yeah yeah no the um the PRS and the NRL have pretty big payouts. I'm not sure exactly what they're running for those these days. I kind of uh, lost track of that. But, you know, there will be uh, sometimes a rifle on the line that you can win as well. Um, nice. But, yeah, there's checks. And, um, you know, and if you don't place in the top, uh, they'll do a, a lot of places will do, um, you know, from highest scoring to lowest scoring. And then some places will just draw names. And so you still have a chance at getting something. There's yeah. a, lo- a lot of prizes on the table at these things. Is, is it a fun community, like a good community? Absolutely. Is it? Okay. And I would say um, that's why I keep pushing you guys in this direction, but the Rifleman's Team Challenge is the best. Okay. Absolutely. That, that can make or break the weekend if people are like, yeah. again, going back to mountain bike racing, what I found is that like downhill races, pretty rowdy group <laughs> and pretty fun to be around. And it's like party all night. And then everybody's so freaking hung over, you can barely do your race run the next day. But then everybody's like kind of, you know, again, party at the finish line, everybody's hanging out. But then as you get more towards the endurance type racing where people become more serious athletes, it becomes more of like a dickhead. Uh, Cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just Ricky Bobby. No, nah, not even that. Like more like the, uh, you know, shaved legs and, and strict vegan diets and, okay. you know, cardio pro like road riding programs and a lot of like sort of uptight kind of just not fun to hang out with type people. Yeah. Um, so that, that, and that can make a difference in whether or not you stick around in the sport or not is whether or not it's a fun group of people to hang around. Yeah. You get that in every sport that you play, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say that you get that a little bit less in the Rifleman's Team Challenge. It's, it's a lot of fun to go shoot one of those matches. Awesome. What, what's the closest venue to here? 
Uh, probably Wilbur. Okay. So, and these are all pretty much set up on people's private ground. You know, where they go in and they spend a whole bunch of time setting targets and getting course of fire set up um, and then take it all down. Wow. Okay, so they're just doing it because they, like Mike said, extreme hobbyists. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's awesome. There are some pl- places they'll go that are ranges. I think like uh, I think they have a match at Rock Lake Rifle Range, which is in Spokane. But everything's on the other side of the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't get that, all the, all the good stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. everything. Yeah. Yep. People. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. So, yeah. At some point, we're gonna have to move the. Uh, the uh, enlightened Neanderthals to Cleolum or something, or even Cleolum's mm. becoming like a suburb of Issaquah. Yeah. A little snooty. We'll, we'll have to keep going <laughs> further. Yeah. yeah. Moses Lake or something. <laughs> oh, man. What? So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, get into the weeds of like your gear and everything that you do. What is, because again, I believe the 22 is the best caliber ever created. <laughs> the 1022 uh, is the greatest rifle firearm ever designed. Yes, yeah. without question. We all know this. Uh, That's what, why it's in the Olympics. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Uh, what, what kind of caliber are you shooting? What kind of, you know, get, get specific in your gear, the barrel twist, all the craziness. Okay. And, and what also is like the ones that you could go and grab and go, oh, okay, this would make sense. Yeah. So on my specific rifle, I shoot a six millimeter Creedmoor. Um, I was shooting a six, five Creedmoor, but it was recommended a six millimeter. Um, it has a little bit less recoil on it. Um, you know, you're shooting a smaller bullet, uh, down is it higher velocity too. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's flatter. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Downside of it is, um, a little bit more wind issues. Um, and then some of the spotters have a hard time spotting you know, long distance, oh, those yes. thousand yard See shots and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's almost more fun to be a spotter and yeah. watch trace than it is to be the shooter. Mm-hmm. And it's a talent Every, to be able to see it and, yeah. you know, call no, it properly. It, it takes a minute to find it or to understand what it is. But then mm-hmm. the, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, Holy shit. Did you guys hang on? You, you bro, can see the bullet. Did you guys just fucking see the shit? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that at, at that point it's like, all right, I just want to spot now. <laughs> you, guys, you guys go ahead and shoot. Wait, what is it? Tra- you're not you're talking sp- about tracers. No, no, spotting trace. Courtney, you, you can explain yeah. it better than I can. So when you spot a shot long range and you're standing behind the shooter, you can see the bullet go through the air. Like that distortion. It, yeah. It, really, yeah. 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 it helps out a okay. lot to chemtrails. have it. Yeah, the chemtrails. <laughs> <laughs> it's the... It, yep. yeah. Yeah, you Are you able to see it with your naked eye? Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. you don't have to have I've a spotting scope. I've only ever saw it through a scope. Yeah, you can you can kind of see it with your eye. Um, I you can video it and well, and see it's it probably as well. easier to see it, it in longer distance shots, yes, right? And it then, really helps if the humidity is high. It seems like, mm-hmm. but it's you're literally yeah, seeing yeah, the yeah, distortion makes, in the air around the projectile, and it looks like some little weird matrix shit. And you see yeah. the bullet like now is that from it going hypersonic, breaking the sound barrier? Is that it must be? Yeah, it's clapping the atmosphere around it. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, okay, but it, it's the coolest. <laughs> but you see it like you see it arch up and then down and then either yeah, hit the yeah. target or and that's where you get those calls. Where yeah, like, you see yeah. like on Instagram videos, a guy shooting elk from you know same thing thousand yards yeah. away, and you see this little yeah. haze go and just yep. pop them in the side. Yep, yep. And it's, paper trail. It's cool as shit oh, when you when I you guess. first get in over someone's shoulder on the scope and see that. It's like yep. yes. Yeah, you can oh. just you can spot it when you're you know off a little bit, but the most accurate place to spot shots is from behind. Oh. I did. All right, that's cool. I didn't know you could do it with the naked eye. And I've every once in a while, when the sun is just right out at our range, I'll be able to see people's nine mil when they're oh. shooting on the mm-hmm. with the naked eye because it's a slower velocity, right? And you can actually pick. You'll see a glint of the sun, or yeah, as it passes from shadow to light and whatnot. 
anyway, all right, I'll okay, get yeah. eagle eye. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah. So I shoot a uh, seven and a half twist, and I'm shooting 105 grain bullets. Um, I built a rifle for my husband in the same caliber, a six millimeter Creedmoor, and we did a one and eight for him, and that also shoots the 105s really nice. Is he running a longer barrel then, or he actually is using a shorter barrel? It's really weird. He uses my same load and my same drop charts, and we've you know, verified it at range and it works. It's what, what are the an anomaly. What are the two lengths? Um, so he has a 22, I believe on his, um, also shooting a can. And then I have a 24 on mine. Okay. So it's kind of a weird thing, but, um, yeah, so I shoot a one and seven twist, 24 inch barrel, um, MTU profile, six millimeter Creedmoor. And I'm just running mine on a Remington 700 action, which is just fine. Um, it's been blueprinted. It's got a heavy recoil lug. Um, what does uh, blueprinted mean? So blueprinted is um, we go in and we machine the threads um, so they're nice and concentric and then square the face of the receiver, square the face of the bolt, and lap the lugs on the bolt as well. So everything's nice and straight and fit together. Got it. Okay. Is this is this done at a um, – not at Benchmark, or is it done at Benchmark? Yeah, we do a little bit of that stuff, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, the um, – so you're running a six millimeter mm-hmm. read more. What, what are like the new, cause I've saw like the, the seven, is it the seven millimeter PRC that yeah. just came out? And is they have a six, five PRC. And is that, do you see like a prevalence of that? Or like, do you see a lot of people going a smaller, lighter <clears throat> bullet for match shooting going with a standard cartridge. So that means like a standard bolt phase, not Magnum or anything like that is going to be, just fine. Um, you know, you're able to hit all those targets. Your spotters are able to tell. Um, and you're not just shooting out your barrels like crazy. If you're going with a Magnum, you know, like the 6.5 PRC, nothing against that. I think it's fantastic for hunting. I would personally never take it to a match. It's got more recoil and it's going to burn out your barrels faster. So, um, definitely a great hunting cartridge though. Okay. Are you, are you, uh, hand loading then? Yeah. Okay, what what would be, because uh, if we were to get into this, I, I don't think we're going to get into the weeds of like, oh, let's get let's get a reloading station set up <laughs> and do all that. But just a lot like, of work. Yeah, exactly. So if, if we were going to do it, would we? That's what Jordan says, but instead of remodeling his kitchen, he'll turn that shit into a re- <laughs> <laughs> reloading station. Chandra will be pissed. She'll yeah. be like, you said we could have an oven. Yeah, we're making bullets. <laughs> Look like a North Vietnamese camp, 1968. <laughs> just a factory press. <laughs> yeah, we have a little table. We train squat his, around. Train and, his yeah. dogs to pull the handle on the reloading press. <laughs> um what what uh, caliber would you recommend that you can just buy something off the shelf to get out there? Because we were talking about rifles because you know the gun laws here are changing. It's like ah, yeah. they're going to force us to start you know buying bolt action. Yeah. What what caliber would you recommend us get that we could get boxes of from you know Cabela's Sportsman's Guide? Yeah, yeah and Sketched then Arms. Sketched Arms. Yeah, there you go. Sketched. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, and then actually go out and compete and also hunt with. I would say a six five Creedmoor. Um, it's very readily available. It's got almost twice as long of a barrel life as a six millimeter Creedmoor does, which you can also get off the shelf ammo for. Um, but there's a good variety of hunting and match um, bullets and, and ammo available for that. So that's what I would do is a six five Creedmoor, absolutely. But you don't see anybody that like really competes and like wins the stuff with factory. <clears throat> oh yeah. Oh, really? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you just have to buy good match ammo. So that's okay. that's the thing. Um, 
we used to buy a lot of prime ammo and I've seen people, you know, do really, really well with prime ammo. Um, the guys that are, uh, you know, winning though, they reason that they could probably win with factory ammo. No problem. They just shoot so much that it's cheaper for them to reload. Okay. That's why. Yeah. And then some of them are shooting, you know, cartridges that aren't off the shelf, like dashers and BRs and GTs and stuff. So it's, not like there's ammo that you could just go pick up. But the Creedmoor is fantastic. Anytime I talk to somebody who's like wanting to get into long range shooting, I say the 6.5 Creedmoor is awesome. Yeah, Buy that. Uh, okay. It's and not overrated like how, everybody thinks. How does that compare to 308? Because everybody has a 308 in their closet. 308's great too. And like the, uh, a lot of these leagues have 308 classes. So you're competing against other sh- people shooting 308s, which is nice because. The 308 recoils a lot more, keeps you a lot more honest behind your gun. You have to be doing your job to get good hits and, you know, be able to compete with the guys shooting these lightweight six millimeters and stuff that don't recoil at all. So a 308, the projectile, the actual, when I say bullet, I mean. The actual bullet. Yeah, yeah, you're (laughs) an actual, yeah, you're a ballistics (laughs) person, so I know my terms are wrong, but the projectile that comes out, a 308, that's bigger than a 6.5 Creedmoor, right? Yeah, so 308 and the 6.5 is .264, so it's a considerable amount bigger. So, and then, so I've kind of noticed, because 6.5, like, as of four or five years ago, I never knew it really existed. Oh, it, it and then it had just yeah. exploded. And uh, is it so with like these long distance and precision shooters, you're seeing more smaller calibers like a seven millimeter rifle. Isn't it pretty much the projectile once again is like 22 bullet in sizing. It just yeah, cool. has an atomic bomb so of powder behind it. A right. A 308 is 7.62 millimeters. Right. So it's it's in a, it's a NATO round, right? Seven six two by fifty one is a three oh eight, and seven six two by fifty four is a thirty out six. So you can, you, a thirty caliber bullet is equivalent to seven point six two millimeters. So you can say that a seven millimeter magnum is probably also a thirty caliber bullet. It's yeah. just we're talking about the length of and size of the casing. Okay, so, is my understanding. Yes. Boat tail. Hang on, if Courtney's got better information, because yeah. she's like, all right, so yeah. so the break. The seven millimeter is point two eight four in diameter. See, I told you, Mike. so it is smaller. <laughs> it requires a different bore and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that is an interesting um, thing when you talk about millimeters, though, because it is yeah. close. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's point two eighty four in diameter, so it's smaller than the three oh eight, bigger than the six five. So the six five has blown up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before the 6.5 Creedmoor and stuff became popular, the 260 was like the thing to have. Um, so that's just a 308 neck down to 6.5 or okay. 264 caliber. So it doesn't have anything to do with as machining gets better and precision, they're going towards a smaller projectile that they control better? I think that people are just learning more about ballistics. Just, okay. You know, and, okay. and what they can do. You know, they've, you've got these BRs. They have little tiny cases, and they're shooting 115 grain 6-millimeter bullets, and they are competing with, you know, longer cases um, you know, that have more powder ability and stuff just because they're more efficient. So I don't know. Um, I don't study ballistics that much. It's just yeah, like yeah. way over my head. I'm not that yeah. smart. <laughs> so, so you'd say get a six, five creed more. Yeah. Right. And then is obviously that built, can you build a six, five onto an AR 10 lower? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So three Oh eight and six, five, those are the kind of the interchangeable the magazines. You, 
Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that, I just built one of those, but that's not going to compete, right? You you're can. Gonna, you're going to take an AR and actually be able to compete with bolt action guys, right? Because you just run into problems oh, with yeah. anything that's like moving like automatically like that. It yeah. just runs into problems. You, I see people run into problems all the time with bolt rifles. I mean, so I you're had. You're saying Inslee's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> you do whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay. But the, the bolt rifles sure. run easier. Um, so, like, I had a Ruger precision rifle. I was shooting out a, ma- a few matches and stuff. And eventually, I ended up having problems. I had to take the bolt completely apart i lost an extractor i had all these problems so you the less moving parts that you have the the easier it's going to be and you can be super fast with the bolt action i don't care what anybody else says what's what's the uh amount of rounds you guys are shooting in competition just kind of uh in a two-day match i think they say like 250 rounds okay holy yeah. shit out of a bolt gun that is a lot that's yeah. a lot of ammo god damn mm-hmm. yeah right. you're shooting that's like 12 weekend. rounds i, I was yeah. when you were talking about like the heavy recoil versus the lighter recoil i was thinking maybe like 25 rounds like who cares <laughs> all right yeah i understand yeah. well it's not necessarily about felt yeah recoil it's about controlling the rifle yeah. and okay. you see these guys like they literally can step back and not be touching their rifle at all and pull the trigger and their gun doesn't move and then you hear it ting the steel so downrange that's, <laughs> that's the kind of shooting that turns me off because at that point you're just dialing in legs to feel like a it. machine like bench rest stuff yeah yeah, yeah. i, I want to be like part of the equation because mm-hmm. that requires human skill and if if i'm not putting any skill and not to say you guys aren't skillful right there's there's skill uh, in setting up your gear your cnc machine to then (laughs) 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 yeah (laughs) those guys do like some precision reloading the bench rest guys it's way above my head it's insane pellets yeah and then turning the necks and bullet concentricity all this stuff it's insane it's like you know guys tuning arrows and they get really into the weeds with you know, floating, finding spines of, you know, your, your, uh, like getting into the science. Yeah. 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 All the craziness. I could see with bullets, it would be even crazier, you Mm -hmm. know? It's nuts just listening to you. Cause like you, I, she's I, talking so far above our heads. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're just trying I'm, to keep up with yeah, the conversation. I'm pretty like, oh, decent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I'm pretty decent at pulling a trigger finger, and <laughs> that's about my extent of guns. I know a basic amount because of hunting, but it's like, listen, I don't want to brag, but I can hit 50 yard shots with a 1022. <laughs> 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 but it's like you have just this complete language you speak. Is this something you learned just from getting into competition shooting? Or like you said, you grew up outdoors. Is this something like you've always been long distance hunting or something oh, with your family? Or <laughs> how how no. this start? No, I mean, we, uh, I don't think I've, I like killed anything past 100 yards, like growing up or anything like that. Like we did not long distance hunt or shoot or anything. Um, you know, long distance has really grown in the last probably 20 oh, years or huge. something yeah. it's, it's gotten crazy and in these last 10 years it's really compounded and just gotten crazy i mean with the optics technology your rangefinder technology and stuff has yeah. grown but um i didn't start long range until i was outside of high school so okay. yeah it's this when i started working for benchmark barrels uh my love for that really just grew how, how did you learn were you working at benchmark when you started yeah, absolutely. And yeah, they taught I me everything going I know. With, going, yeah, because that would be their passion, so they would yeah. just take you with them. Yep, absolutely. Right. They've been doing it, you know, um, like the owners and stuff for a very long time, and they okay. they they taught me everything that they know. Actually, they haven't taught me everything that they know. Everything I know, I got yeah, right. from them. Okay. But yeah. Okay. <laughs>
the uh, so a setup. Could I go and get? I want a six five Creedmoor. I want. Does it matter? Brand matter much for chassis or anything like that? Or is there like an off the shelf recommendation you would make? Because um, I mean, obviously, Benchmark doesn't make a uh, a rifle. They make barrels. So besides that, is there like uh, if if you were going to put together yourself a rifle out of not not unlimited budget, but like where you have to pay attention to your budget a little bit, what what are you buying other well, than the barrel? Well, do you have a rifle already? You want to donate? I have a Remington 700 in that's 308. Yeah. So that's kind of like my first question when I have a customer approach me about this is like, do you have a rifle that you're willing to throw away everything except for the action and the bolt? Okay, yes, that's going to save you $1,000 minimum because action started about $1,000. Um, oh, wow. American Rifle Company, they're here in Muggleteo or Kent, one of the two I can't ever remember. But they have a new action that's like $900. So that's probably the um, starting point for action. So you save yourself a lot of money by donating a rifle. A Remington 700 is a really great option, or a Tika is a really great option like as well. T3. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Smoothest bolts. They're insane. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the Remington and Tika are great. Um, you're going to have the most availability for parts. Yeah, you could use a Winchester or a number of different things, but you limit yourself on magazines and stock options as well. So then um, if I was keeping price point in mind, I'd go with that KRG Bravo chassis. That's actually what I shoot. Um, they're like they're less than $500 and they're fantastic. They're polymer and they accept all of KRG's uh, accessories. So you can put the rails and the weight kits and the adjustable butt stock and all that. It comes with adjustable cheek piece on it. So um, a great chassis for a low price. Of course, one of our barrels, you know, mm -hmm. naturally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, um, you know, getting it chambered by a quality gunsmith, um, which, you know, we could recommend a number of different ones, but I don't want to call anybody out because I don't want to sure. leave anybody out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't want to hurt any feelings. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the basis of it. The chassis is really cool because the um, bottom metal is built into it. So if you went with a stock, you could go with a stock. There's, you know, a lot of great stock options, but they're going to be typically more expensive. And then you also have to buy your magazine setup that goes into it, which is called your bottom metal. Okay. And then, you know, get magazines for that. So now all you have to get is a magazine that goes in it, which, you know, Accuracy International 308 magazines will work great for the 6.5 Creedmoor. And then, um, so now you have a full rifle <laughs> and then you just need optics to go on top, which, you know, you guys are you, hooked up with Vortex. So. Yeah. So we're, we're connected with Vortex. Do you have a favorite company or, um, or is it like good glasses, good glass? Good glasses, good glass. Absolutely. All right. And then yeah. second question. So when I look through like, uh, Vortex has their strike Eagle, which is their kind of budget line. Mm -hmm. And then they've got Viper in the middle and then Razor is their top end. When I look through, like Greg has a razor that they sent out, and I have, <laughs> how come they sent me a Strike Eagle? <laughs> Comparison. That's yeah, all. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I can't tell the difference when I'm looking through the two of them. That's why. Do you, can you tell the difference when you're looking through a cheap optic versus like some high end? like Zeiss or, you know, yeah. something like that. Yes, can I can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the fine details at distance that really make the difference. Um, so like when it's really zoomed in compared to zoomed out, that's when you start to notice your, yeah, that, that's probably, and it doesn't even necessarily, yeah. Right. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be zoomed in. You could be zoomed out, but still, you know, looking further away and you'll just see, like, if you look at a, you know, 
obviously the optic, not on a gun, a side of a house or something, you can really see all of the detail in the, you know, wood and grain and different things like that with a good optic. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you had your choice of those three options, the, you know, razor being the number one. Yeah, well, you know, apparently they don't value me as much. <laughs> <laughs> but the strike eagle will do it for you, you know, yeah. absolutely. Well, so my follow-up to that then is, do you think it affects your hit percentage? Like, does being able to see those fine details lead to a better placement of your shot? It could, absolutely. You know, if you're having a hard time seeing your target, um, it's also going to help with you seeing where you're hitting. You know, so if you're able to spot your shots and able to, uh, you know, make up for that, you know, you're like, okay, I'm off right edge. I can make this adjustment and go for it. Okay. You know, you might not be able to see that little splash or you might not, you know, it's, it yeah. could help with spotting targets in general. You know, if it's not super bright or clear glass, you could have challenge if they put a target in the middle of these bushes and it's really hard to see, you might not yep. be able to see it, you know, or I mean, that goes for animals too, obviously they camouflage naturally yeah and with with that you know optics in mind and stuff and as you're as you're looking at distance to make your shots uh with wind and all of that stuff are you using your glass to like see particles floating and as you're zooming out what can you speak to that a little bit more yeah absolutely i definitely do that so i mean you're looking at mirage you know when it's hot out you can see mirage moving around and so you kind of use your parallax adjustment sometimes to to dial in and out maybe you're not seeing everything in focus but you're able to see this little wave you know go across that um, mirage okay. and you're um, looking at trees you know at your distance in between where your target is and stuff and you're calculating all of that um, just by looking through your scope and and seeing that uh, you see a lot of people at matches they'll take their kestrels or their wind meters and stuff and they're flinging them around by where they're at looking at the wind and stuff it's like that doesn't I mean yeah it tells you what the wind is where right you're here. at but yeah. that doesn't mean that's not what it's doing over there. There could be a crosswind Shooting or an updraft. Or yeah, something. absolutely. Yeah. So you have to look and take all of that into consideration. Yeah. And then you just pull the trigger and hope it hits. <laughs> or what's the, are, are you looking at a certain, you know, say you're shooting across a canyon mm -hmm. and you got wind coming down uh, the canyon. It's, you know, what is it, afternoon? And the wind's starting to drop down. It's getting colder. Are you Are you looking at, what the wind's doing on the surface of where the target is and where you're at versus the canyon. Like, how's that all? Yeah. I mean, which one do you choose to use, you know, cause it yeah. can be blown. I've, I've been in spots where wind's going one way and halfway and it's going the other way. Like, how do you yeah. make those adjustments? Well, if I was looking at it and it, you know, looked pretty heavy wind in each direction, I'd probably just center up, Okay. <laughs> you know, but, um, I, I look at it, you know, you just, every scenario requires a different estimate and wind reading is, is a skill that is developed over time of just continuing shooting and testing it out because that there's really no other way to, to do it because you're guessing what's between you. You can you know, kind of see how hard the grass is bent over, the trees are leaning and things like that will give you a good idea, you know, but you're still guessing. But at some point, it becomes a more of a educated guess because you've just done it so many times, you have a good understanding of that. And that's where like that six five creed more versus like a a three hundred wind mag, you're, you the weight of the bullet starts playing a bigger and bigger mm -hmm. 
portion there. Yeah, like a 300, you're going to be shooting probably 180 grain bullet. Yeah. It's a lot heavier bullet. It's going to be less pushed by the wind, so it's going to have less of an effect on it than the 6.5 Creedmoor or, you know, smaller calibers. Okay. Yeah. But those are going to shoot out your barrel faster, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to shoot a Magnum in competition. I mean, unless, like, you're, you know, taking a rifle and you're just basically looking at it as a training experience for hunting. Yeah. You know, then, yeah, go for it. But if you were wanting to shoot a bunch of maxes, matches, I wouldn't you know, I would go with that. I would not want to shoot 250 <laughs> rounds out of a 300-round <laughs> bag. You'd yeah. be tired. So, yeah. <laughs> when my uh, my granddad gave me his old 30-06 hunting rifle, and I think I put 20 rounds through it to zero it, and it has, you know, no rubber butt pad, nothing on it. And, oh, man, my arm was hanging by the time I walked back yeah. to the house. And the next day, it was all purple and yellow, <laughs> like, you know, blood and stuff draining down. It was the amount of people walking out of the Kenmore gun range with just, yeah. <laughs> like, dead arms yeah. is staggering, I bet. Muzzle brakes help a lot, and we yes. do those, so. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So you guys get into muzzle devices and all yep. that as well. Yeah. The muzzle brakes make a huge difference. You know, anybody who's not shooting a, pre a suppressor match shooting is shooting a muzzle brake. And I say if you're hunting and you're not shooting a muzzle brake, you probably should be. Yes. Like, it, it, it makes agree. the gun move a lot yep. less. It helps, you know, with flinch development, you know, make that go away. Yep. You don't yeah. want any flinch. Yep. Um, yeah, muzzle brakes are great. So uh, what's it like shooting a suppressor versus a muzzle brake then? Um, it's quieter, you know. Does it reduce recoil or it, increase it? Because it puts more gas, well, no, because the bolt's not a gas it. gun. Yeah. It reduces recoil. It does reduce recoil, okay. yeah. Um, not as significantly as a muzzle brake does, though. Muzzle brakes definitely do a better job. That's okay. what they're designed for. Yes. You know, okay. suppressors being quieter, but um, muzzle brakes you don't want to use without your protection because they're loud. Oh, Super yeah. Loud. No, that's, I hate when people come out <laughs> to our range with muzzle brakes on their ARs. Because one, <laughs> and actually for everybody listening at home, a muzzle brake is not a tactical device. It is, it's great for hunting where you're, theoretically, you're going to fire one shot and get your kill. You should be if you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's great for competition for the sake of, like Courtney said, reducing the recoil. But when it comes to a self-defense or tactical application, any rifle with a muzzle brake on it is going to breathe a dragon's breath flame out the front of it, <laughs> and that gives away your position. It's like turning on a flashlight in the woods at night. Um, and not only is it going to give away your position, but it's going to blind everybody to your right and left who's on your team. And if you're just out at a course like the ones I teach, it's just going to piss off everybody on the firing line because every time you fire, they're going to be getting punched in the face with your gas blow off that comes out the side of that thing. No. I have a question. For long distance, are thumb holes a debate or a topic for stocks? You see them for sale, but nobody uses thumb hole stocks, no. Because it really is not like the proper position to have your hand in like that. You actually want your your thumb kind of stacked over your um your other fingers, you know, on the side versus wrapped around like that. Cause that can kind of torque it. You want it more straight above your trigger finger. It's oh. kind of hard to explain. I'm like looking at my yeah. hand, trying yeah. to yeah, you know, put say, it so into words. What you're saying is California's got it right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. Oh, okay. Just checking. Just checking. All right. Well, so, all right. Now you also, we read your, you sent us the photo. I, I sent these guys the photos of that article you wrote for, what was that magazine? Uh, Precision Rifle Shooter. Okay. So that was an awesome article. And you were talking about kind of the crossover between the matches and hunting, which mm -hmm. I, feeds right into what we're talking about. And have you written any other 
that that was you said that was your first magazine article, correct? Yeah, that was my first article, and then but then I, you're also on what is it? Handgun, handgun TV, or handguns and defensive weapons. But it's now going to be just handguns. And that's continuing on, yeah. Mm-hmm. And where do people find that? Uh, on the Sportsman's Channel. That's web online or online. on cable TV? Or sorry, on TV, yeah. On TV. And then they have um, my outdoor TV uh, app, which you can subscribe to and watch episodes there. Okay, and what do you guys do on the handguns? And it's just called handguns now? Yeah. Yeah, so um, ever since I've been on it, we were pretty much just doing handgun stuff, you know, but we'll do some flashlight tactics and different things like that. But, um, you know, previously they've done some shotgun stuff and some AR stuff as well. But um, so we're just uh, reviewing different handguns and different things like that. Um, talking tactics. Um, we did some fun stuff with airsoft training last oh, season, yeah. which was really cool to go through shoot house and, and run some scenarios like that. So we do a lot of stuff like that. Are you guys doing that local? Is that no. <laughs> where, where's that located? Um, so we film at three different locations. Um, we go to Georgia and we go to gun site in Arizona and then the site firearms training facility in Illinois. The place in Georgia is a private range that we go to. How do I get your life? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it sounds great. (laughs) It's pretty fun. (laughs) Do you like shooting pistols or do you like long distance more? Um, I like shooting pistols, of course. I mean, I just like shooting guns in general, but um, I definitely say like my passion lies in hunting. And so long range um, really plays into that more. I like shooting long range as well, but there's something just about pistols being so finicky and hard that when I get that perfect shot, it, it, it feels so much more rewarding yeah. than it does with a rifle at a longer distance. Yeah. Just I feel like so much more can happen with a pistol. Oh, pistols are far more. And this is another thing I see with the training courses is people think that because the pistol is the smaller weapon that it's going to be the easier one to learn on, and that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you're far better off learning with a I, – I tr- if – get on my soapbox here for a minute but if people are going to learn to shoot the right way the progression is you start with a bolt action 22 and you learn to shoot iron sights on your bolt action 22 and this is what i do with my kids and then when you've got that down then you can put a scope on it and then you can go to like a 10 22 that's a semi-automatic and then you can go to something either like a higher caliber bolt gun or then you can start learning the ar-15 platform and after you've mastered the AR-15 platform, then we can start talking about pistols because pistols are far more difficult to shoot and they're far easier to have an accident with. Yeah. And what I see on the fire, you guys, you guys listening to this can't see, but people will like, when they get a malfunction, the first thing they do is turn it sideways mm-hmm. to look at it. And they point at it, everyone. Exactly. They're, they're pointing it down the line at everybody on the firing line. So in, in my mind, pistols are the last weapon you should learn to use after you've learned Everything else. All the good gun safety with everything else. Yeah. yeah agreed. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the way it goes right now just because society is in such chaos and people want like a self-defense. Like in their mind, they just want a gun that fits in their purse or in their pocket or whatever for, for carrying around for self-defense. Yeah. Um, with uh, no prior training yeah, or uh, not even knowing how to terrifying. shoot really. It's, it's, yeah. it's honestly, it's ter- yeah. and actually, I wanted to, because Courtney's in here and because... This latest uh, shooting where this, like, transvestite dude went and shot... Is it a dude or... I don't even fucking know. Like, it. I it was know. born as a woman. It was? was it? Yes. Okay. So, transvestite woman went and shot up a school, which is tragic and sad. And it sucks that we can't have gun control talk without... It's like, well, every, everybody on one side is like, ban everything now. Mm-hmm. And then the people on the other side are like, 
fuck that guy. He's a piece of shit. We should never, uh, you know, not acknowledge him or it or whatever it is. And fuck, I don't even know how I'm trying to say this, but it seems like we need to have a little bit more of an intelligent conversation about what guns are, what they're used for, their usefulness in society. And because we, otherwise we're just going to keep repeating the same cycle over and over again. And is like number, I think the first aspect that we should be talking about is, is the gun to blame? Because I would say, no, it's, it's mental health is to blame and nobody wants to talk about that. Um, I, I don't know where I was going with that. I, I shared just, a post that said um, that Cain uh, killed Abel with a rock yeah. and David killed Goliath with a rock. It's not the rock, obviously. It's yeah. the intentions yeah, yeah. of the rock user. Yeah. So it, it, And that goes with so many different weapons. Yeah. You know, and it's... Um, it's a challenging topic because it's very emotional. Yeah, you know, 100%. obviously so yeah, none like, of well, us don't feel killed, bad. Right. Like everybody feels bad people. about yeah. this. Yeah. That something this, needs to be done. Yeah. Right. Agreed. So there's, there's something that needs to be done, but taking away any of my guns out of my, doesn't make safe, the world safer. It, it will not. Cause I know does the opposite. what my guns are there for. And I know that they are not going to be used in any kind of a harmful way to anybody typically. Yep. Right. Uh, so, so taking away my rights is not going to make the world safer. Yeah, it's not going to save any schools. It's not going to save any kids. It's not going to do any of that. If anything, it might, you know, make it, might, it danger. Yeah, yeah it might save people because yes. you're there and you're caring and you're there to, you're, you can save their life. You can intervene in, you know, what yeah, might be Classic happening. is that, that young man in, uh, I think it was Wisconsin, when the guy entered the mall to start shooting. Yeah. He drew down and. And ended it, right? And that could have been a far worse incident had there not been a responsible citizen sitting in the food court, right? Yep, exactly. I'd be glad to have anybody like you guys around if I was, you know, unarmed and in a dangerous scenario. Like, yeah. I don't want to wait for the cops to get there. No, yeah. the, the, their average response time is like 12 minutes. Yep. And my, my wife was attacked in our garage by a schizophrenic guy who was just having an episode and had just beat his mom uh, to the, death, damn near. Yeah, oh they, they, they transported her as expectant and investigated it as a murder uh, murder investigation because they expe- she was beat so badly they thought she would die for sure. Wow. And then he came wandering down the street as a couple of our friends were leaving uh, like a workout, cl- uh, workout little group they have to train in our garage. They were all walking out to their cars, and he went after one of them. So my wife started yelling at him. Then he turned, came at her in the garage and she just thank god we keep because we had had some uncomfortable interactions with this guy we kept a bottle or a a can of uh, bear spray on the workbench (laughs) and i had i had made sure i was like listen you need to rehearse like pull the safety point it you know what i mean there's there's two steps to fire you don't just grab it and spray you have to remove this little plastic tab and she did it but literally as he got a hold of her arm she was just starting to hose him down wow. and if he had beaten his mom near death god knows what he would have done to her um so again it wasn't a firearm but having tools available to you that can affect a situation and i read a really great essay about you know how the gun is the great equalizer where an 80 year old woman is on the same playing field as a 22 year old uh you know, yeah. drug addict. Gun yeah. is civilization. If, exactly. Because no, no 80-year-old woman can fight me and win with fists. But if she has a 9 millimeter pistol in her, in her purse, now, now she's on the same playing field I am. 
mm-hmm. and it's been lo- you know what I mean. So there there is a lot of, or I should say, there's there's validity in the fact that it's it's a tool, and if it's used correctly, just like I can kill people with my hammer or my screwdriver. With think, my think, bare hands. Yeah, exactly. Think, think of the number. Electric jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Come check it out. That's funny. Like, I've done a bunch of school construction projects, and one of the things the general contractor will ask you when you're walking in, they're like, are you carrying any weapons? It's like I'll look down at my tool belt and be like, uh. Yeah, I've got, like, technically like, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess not. Other than a razor knife, a hammer, yeah. and a freaking anything bike. harder than skin yeah. is a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, depending on how you want to use it. Yeah. You know, uh, it is a weird one being a mental health thing because it's like, I don't know. I you could just be a low profile kind of nutball and. Like, go get a gun today while you still can, but go through it, and it's like the checklist thing is kind of the only thing. And unless I've been, what, institutionalized into a mental asylum or something or violent crime in the past, I'm not going to have a history or record or something saying don't allow the sale of this gun to this person. But even then, isn't that only at a federal level? Isn't that only a federal check when you fill out that form? I have no clue how it works. It just feels like a joke when you do it. It's like, just click yes, 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 or you don't get this gun. And it's like, how are you really addressing who does or doesn't get these or the type of people? Or You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the flip side of that is, what if you just don't like someone's politics. Like Mike Glover was called a domestic terrorist by the FBI. So what if they just decided, well, now Mike doesn't qualify for firearm sales because we don't like that he represents, uh, you know, preparedness. Pers- yeah, personal yeah. preparedness and independence. So how, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Because anything the state gets involved in, it seems it like it's it corrupted. S- slippery yeah. slope real yeah. quick yeah. When, when they start putting any other blocks in, which yeah. is unfortunate because there's, there's got to be a way to do this. But I, I, I certainly don't believe that taking away anybody's rights is is the way. And until, like, yeah, I, I could have some crazy things in my head, but should yeah. that should that stop me from being able to get a firearm? I, I don't think so. Not until you, you act know? on them. Not until you act yeah, on but, them. And then by then, then it's too but late. But then it's too yeah. late, right? Yeah. 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 But then it's like you look at things like driver's licenses. You know, it's like, well... A car I, is I a could, very dangerous. I can dangerous. murder a lot of people with a yeah, box truck. It, it's yeah. a, but that's what I mean. It's a very dangerous thing. And so they're like, hey, we need to, you to give us the minimal effort. You can show us that you can parallel park between these two orange cones and stick your arm out and turn your blinker on when you're merging into traffic. Two foot yeah. to the brake and yeah, we're yeah, good yeah. to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's like in a certain sense, I, I get that. I think that I don't want to just give this 16-year-old – don't want to give the 16-year-old the keys to this car already. Yeah. But if I'm going to, let's at least have a proficiency test. Yeah, and so, so that's kind of where I'm at with, like, concealed carry. Is It scares the shit out of me that people just shove it. Like, they drop a three fifty seven into their purse with their... Love you, mom. Yeah, I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, that's, that's what I was going to say earlier. Is and that, then imagine the mall food court scenario. Think if, like, 16 people bust out personal carry weapons and just start blazing. Oh yeah. Like the, the reality is that that, that, that young, yeah, that young man who took the shooter out, he's, he's a anomaly. Like most people are not that well trained. Like he obviously had put in the time and the effort to have Mm -hmm. himself trained. And 
My God, man. Imagine, again, like I said, if a bunch of people just busted out concealed carry pistols and started shooting, you'd have just as many casualties from... I used, I used to say, if I wanted to kill... If I were a terrorist in Mosul and I wanted to kill a whole lot of soldiers, I would just walk into a chow hall and fire an AK-47 in the air because everybody's armed with an M-16. And if they all, if they all just start shooting back, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just have crossfire. It'd be yeah. Polish ambush all over the place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Polish. Well, yeah. Polish in me takes offense to that. Kind of triggered. That hurts. Thanks. That hurts. Makes me want to go to Costco. Though. Yeah. Is that a, is that a microaggression? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that was. So the- I feel like there should be a. Sorry, I cut you off. But to finish my point, I feel like there should be a minimum level of training required to carry a concealed pistol. But at the same time, I don't want, I don't want big brother in charge of it. I want it to fall on people's sense of personal responsibility and sort of their own acknowledgement that if I'm going to take, this is a big responsibility. People don't know what they don't know though. I know. So, I know. So, I mean, I, I got my first gun at 21, when I could, right? Fuck yeah, my you shoved pistol. it down the front of your pants. I, yeah, and well, like, the back of my pants, because I was scared. Oh. I was like, this is new, <laughs> too. You know, my whole my whole situation, right? So, um, and it, there was lack of training, right? Yeah. There was a complete lack of training, and I walked around for eight years with a gun in the back of my pants, thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. And then I... Smell like a chocolate pretzel. Yeah, exactly. It was it was horrible. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, like chocolate, like, what are you talking smells about? Smells like gun oil and... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, No, but uh, I I didn't realize. I thought, hey, I'm I'm carrying this. I'm responsible. I'm only going to use this for what I deem necessary. And like I thought that was enough. And it it certainly was not until I took some training from you and realized like, oh. And so, I mean, that that's kind of embarrassing to say, but it took almost a decade before I got actual training. You're not alone. And then realized, holy shit. I had no clue what I was doing. I ha- I didn't know how to hold a pistol correctly. I didn't know how to really shoot a pistol correctly. And I I went shooting with my buddies yesterday, and they're all getting into guns now. And they're you know times, you know their backs against the wall with this AR stuff. But um, as far as pistols go, like it, it is apparent that they have n- had no training. And I was like, I was there last year, yeah. two years ago. I guess two years ago now. I I was there like not knowing what the hell I was doing. So just the the mechanics of drawing a pistol and shooting a pistol and having that level of knowledge. And it it took me meeting you to go to a place, see it and see what actual shooters can do when they're trained and go, Oh, I am so far off. I'm like beyond white, belt. we have a lot of jujitsu references in here, but I'm, I'm beyond a white belt or less, less than a white belt in, in guns. I stick in one in your back pocket. Doesn't make you, uh, yeah. it, it makes you more dangerous. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's but I, like I said, I don't want the government getting involved and in saying like turning this into, you know, a Germany situation where you have to have, what is it? 2000 hours of training before you can get your rifle that has to be held at some, you yeah. know, locker room somewhere. And like, you know, Everything have a lot of money to be able to own yeah. guns in those countries. Too. Yeah, it's it's crazy, the, yeah. and they that, that's one way of you know backdoor gun control is is making these classes out of reach for a common guy and common man. Prices are just that it's it's ridiculous. So I do think there needs to be some sort of a class you have to take, like a driver's ed. But when if the government's teaching it. It's like, well, you know, we we're going to well, do this, and there's going to be it's end up being them that rubber stamp it either way. So at that point, it becomes like a backdoor level of gun control that that 
it's it's this weird double-edged sword. I want mandatory training to carry a gun, but I don't want the government to have control of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the, I think it's 1639, that was the, um, where they made it so you have to wait 10 days for semi-automatic assault weapons. Oh, I'm doing right. air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, when they did that, um, you have to take a class too, an online mm-hmm. class, which literally it's worthless click, you click, literally click 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 yeah. i'm done like that's yeah. just a backdoor so somebody can make some money yeah, yeah well they're all most of them are bucks. free oh they are yeah yeah oh, yeah so some places probably charge too but yeah. well, you can get it literally for free on youtube and it qualifies as a class you know <laughs> it's it's so it's yeah not even there's a legit there there training. there needs to be a day where people go and get training um because, yeah, that 1639, I they were like, hey, you can't buy your lowers anymore. You can't buy your ARs anymore. You can't buy a pistol and get it. And like, But it was yeah. for the AR. It was for the rifles, right? So yeah. um, when that happened, it was just like, oh, well, I can't get one. And then I have to take this class. And then I got on it. And, yeah, just like you said, it was online. It yep. was read this thing. Click, 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 click. click, click. Yeah, you're done. good to go. All right. And you it's literally like, pretty much don't learn anything. Uh, and that it's very go- basic. Yeah, so. that goes back to how little our elected official officials actually care about people's safety. All this is, it's all smoke and mirrors. They don't, they don't give a shit because if they did, they'd actually be addressed. Like it wouldn't be a click, click, click. Hey, you're yeah. qualified. I, I, I feel like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth though, when I say it, right. Cause it like, I don't want gun control. No, I get I it. I get it. We yeah. all, yeah. Training. I, so there's I want, I want people to be competent to handle that thing. Like if you're, if you're, I don't want dangerous drivers on the road either. I no. want trained drivers on the road so that yeah. it's not dangerous to everyone else. And I don't want untrained people carrying a pistol around in their purse or in their pocket or in their belt. If they came up with a way to say, like, the maximum length of these classes were you had to have 10 hours of training or 20 hours of training, and they said, this is it, it will never be higher, like, that's the most you have to do, and you have to pass, you know, a proficiency test. Mm. That would that would be, and it was free. They should give yeah. training like that to people. You know, you want you know want to talk about having, uh, you know, classes for people in yeah. society and like giving up money and taxpayer yeah. money for things. Well, it, I, I'm only going to push back against this because I've run into this with training Northwest where people are like, you should be providing this training for free. <laughs> no, no, it's no. Like, I'm oh, talking about dude. the government. Do you guys have any idea? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking about social <laughs> programs, oh, right? Okay. Like, so, yeah. so if they're, if we're going to have social programs for all kind manners of things for, you know, from, you know, reassignment surgeries or whatever that people want to, you know, dealing with the homeless Mm -hmm. issues. Why wouldn't we have a situation where it's like, Hey, you want a gun? You're American. We allow it. Here's the training that we provide. And here's the train. Here's a safe that we provide, you know? Uh, And and after that, and we don't get the key to it. You have to take this class. The class is only going to be, Law says 10 hours, so they're not doing the 2,000 hour or whatever. I, and I don't know the actual number in Germany, but I watched something, and it was ridiculous. It was like yeah. becoming a falconer here. It's like, <laughs> it was like, what the hell kind of Congratulations, you can have your 410 shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah and they give you, the, yeah, you only have a certain, you know. So if they did away with that and said, here you go, so you had to. And then at that point, you know, everybody was trained, and they had safety. And I wish they did it in schools. 
I really yeah. do. They I need to bring they, that back. I they, wish they, they had gun safety. Be, and yeah, they used to have. Clubs. Yes, there used to be marks, uh, archery and rifle shooting used to be in most schools, like back in the 50s and before then. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah. actually, some of the private school, like Greg's, uh, the school his girls go to, they take archery as an elective. I, I've seen archery in public schools. Have you really? Yeah. That's awesome. I've seen in, in public high schools, we'll show up for a wrestling tournament, and it's like there's a bunch of uh, bail targets, and I'm like, what the hell's yeah, going on here? This nice. is awesome in their gym, and, you Man. know, a bunch of... Even OMAC didn't have that. <laughs> yeah. Surprised. Yeah. Well, I remember growing up, uh, Leota Junior High, I lived right next to Leota Junior High, and me and my brother would go out in the backyard and find arrows. Yeah, like, it, sure. we felt like we were finding artifacts, you know, <laughs> going in the backyard, and these kids just launching them over the fence, but... Uh, that was that was something that they did in junior high, right? And then yeah. for I think there's still a bunch of rural schools that do like shotgun. I was yeah. gonna say that, yeah. My my high school had trap shooting. Do they yeah. really? And yeah. you know what? Boy Scouts has lost a lot of its popularity just because of you all mean the Scouts life. of America. Well, yeah, that's right. You can't call the them inclusive. boys. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of like sex alleg- like sexual abuse <laughs> allegations that came out of there, which sucks. But Boy Scouts used to cover a lot of that shit. You you were in a Cub Scout troop, and you'd go shoot. Like, Cub Scouts, you'd do the BB gun shoot and, like, the little bows. And then as you went up the levels, it'd turn into 22s and, like, the bigger bow and arrows. But all that, you know, canoeing and building a fire, all these things have sort of been lost. And I'm getting off topic. But you know what? I'm not even pregnant, but I'm going to call a pee break, and then we'll <laughs> then we'll come back. <laughs> okay. All right, we're back from peeing. Um, Chalada number two. Ch- <laughs> there it is. Um, so what we're, we were talking about sort of the duality of the necessity for training if you're going to carry a gun versus not wanting the government involved in our affairs. And um, Well, I'll say it again. Like, seeing my buddies, not to say, I, I don't want to talk bad about my buddies and their abilities to shoot, but... Oh, you should have heard complete, what he was saying about com- you guys when we were com- at break. Complete lack of... <laughs> Uh, being able to shoot proper. And, like, I mean, we're there was six of us up there, and there was a lot of that, you know, you go to a place and you go to shoot. If you're going to a public uh, spot where we can find a pit or whatever, like, that hasn't been shut down because they're shutting everything down, um, you, you're shooting and you're hoping everybody there has some level of safety-oriented mindsets. And I had a buddy loading a gun or, like, getting ready to shoot and, there's another buddy that's 10 foot away from him. He's not going to hit him, but he's, you know, the barrel isn't past him, the direction he's shooting. So it's like, dude, you were, you were, take a step forward. We need, there is a line in which we are shooting across and you need to be up to that line. We're going to treat this like fucking bowling. Step up to the line. Yes. But again, before you, you, pull you don't trigger. know what you don't know. And so people, again, this, this complete unfamiliarity with firearms which is what has been created in the united states is is what leads to all these sort of safety issues is that people just aren't familiar with them but if you grow up rural like courtney did or like i like pretty much all four of us did like i grew up in omac where guns are just part of your life like it was never a thing i keep all my guns in a safe now because i live in a suburb and my kids friends come in and out of the house and I don't want, you know, I don't want to leave a gun where a kid can get a hold of it. I grew up without guns. Did you? I grew up in, oh, okay. a, in, a, in a house. I thought your dad was, your dad was not a hunter? Uh, no. Uh-huh. No, growing up, my grandpa was a hunter. But um, uh, I grew, I think we had a twenty-two in the closet that yeah. my grandpa had given my dad, you know. And that, that was it. Oh, okay. Greatest caliber 
ever made. Yep. Uh, yep. But grew up grew up in that situation, so I came from not knowing oh. and just think and had that kind of ego that like, oh no, I I, I I'm can, a man. Yeah, I'm yeah. I can I can do what you know. I know how to use this, and it's like I had no clue yeah. until two years ago. Oh. Well, so I mean, coming from OMAC, where everybody has deer rifles and shotgun, not like tactical style guns, but everybody's dad had a lever action 30-30 and a 12-gauge shotgun. And a 22. Ev- exactly. A 20. <laughs> everybody had a That's 22. Right. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Jordan. And uh, every kid, by the time you're in fifth grade, your dad had bought you a 243 for, for deer hunting. Mm-hmm. And so, and they were never locked up. They were just kind of like, like ours were literally leaning in a corner off the living room. But like, you knew. Exactly. But Not to you touch them. exactly because we grew up a because we grew up around them, we had respect because our the first thing your dad teaches you is the safety rules with a BB gun, mm-hmm. and you're not allowed to touch the pellet gun until you learn the BB gun, and then you go to the pellet gun, and then when you're safe with the pellet gun and he trusts you with the pellet gun, then you're allowed to take the 22, and it's like this progression, and oh shit, where was I going with we, this? I had a. Uh, um, and it's it's the so and the other part of that is the fact that they're there and they're available, and that it's part of it's just part of what my takes dad the and I did out of. exactly. It takes the uh, the stigma out of it, and so one of the things I even though my guns are all locked up, one of the rules I have with my kids is at any time they're allowed to be like, "Hey, Dad, can I see your gun? Yep, which one do you want to hold?" And we go out to the garage and we get it out. And I make them, before I open the safe, they have to recite their big four safety rules. And then I hand them whatever gun it is they want to hold. And they have to check it, see that the chamber's empty. They have to check the safety. And then once that's done, then I'm like, all right. now What, we- are, what are the big four rules? Oh, Christ, I'll, I'll fuck it up. It's, <laughs> it's finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Never point a gun at anything you don't want to destroy. Know what's in front and behind of your target. And which one am I missing? Um, finger off the trigger, never point. And it's always loaded. Yes, yeah, and there's there's different variations. Of it. You can Google it, and you'll get a few different variations of it. But it's all kind of like assume every gun is loaded, or always check the chamber when it's handed to you. There's 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 different ways to say it, but it's all the same ideas, right? And so anyway, the idea is they're always allowed to see my guns. So there's there's even if they were not locked, there's no reason to sneak. Because the mm-hmm. answer is always yes if you just want to go hold it. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that, like, you're going to hide it under your mattress and not tell anybody about it and hope your kids don't find it, that's fucking retarded. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's it's more like just a, rather than treat it like it's a plague on society, just treat it like it's the it's tool. Of, yeah, it's, I have hammers and screwdrivers in a, in a toolbox out in the garage. And my rules with those are you guys are welcome to use them. You just got to put them back when you're done and use like, don't be like, you're not allowed to hit your brother with a hammer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people are like, they want to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. trust, trust me. You, you know what I mean? If, if they could, they would, but you're not allowed to point a gun at a person. You're not allowed to hit your brother with a hammer and you're not allowed to stab other kids in the neighborhood with a screwdriver. Yeah. Like, cause they would, if they could, like there are times when they're all fired up and they're fighting with each other. And if they could, they would. So, Treating a gun any differently than a hammer or a, a knife or a screwdriver is kind of fucking, re- it's, just, it's just stupid to me. Yeah. yeah. It just requires a little bit more skill to, you know, be proficient. Yeah. yeah. The, the only difference is the range, right? So it's, we're talking about, and Greg's big on this, like different tools for different ranges. Jiu-jitsu has a range of like zero to three feet, right? And then a pistol has a range of zero to 
40 meters, and then a rifle has a range of zero to whatever. If you're Courtney. 1,200. A mile. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. I do want to get back to Courtney, though. Yeah, Because we we, we got Courtney here. Um, What is the longest distance you've shot? Uh, probably 1,200 yards. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's, is that pretty that's standard legit. for, um, competition? Um, they'll typically have a long stage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You'll have one of those. Okay. And then with hunting, what's yeah. the, what's the longest you've shot with hunting? Cause I've heard like, okay, I'm proficient to 1200 yards. So I'm going to yeah. half that to feel 600 yards is my max shot for an elk or a deer. Or, well, um, I know. haven't had that long of, um, distance shots available for like deer um and i don't elk hunt or anything like that but um on a bear i i missed a shot just so close and it was because i did you see trace i did see trace yeah we recorded it i saw it everything i saw right where my bullet hit um it was 830 yards and so i was ranging it and my rangefinder was giving me two ranges just going back and forth between the two ranges so i was like Okay, well, I have to choose one of them. So I chose the further range because I knew if I missed, I'd miss over the top. And I was, I'd felt better about missing over the top than potentially shooting in the guts and then having to track a bear, you know, go over and find it and track a bear. And bears don't die easy at all. No. And so um, I... uh, Nor do owls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a buddy that would disagree with no that. comment no comment is that episode six <laughs> so i i'm yeah i missed him right over the top that's the longest um shot i've taken on an animal my husband's shot some coyotes at some ridiculous ranges though he's yeah and and he doesn't you know he doesn't do any competition he just hunts what caliber does he use for coyote hunting uh six millimeter creedmoor is his so favorite but he loves the 22 250 as well and is he using some sort of night optic or thermal or is he doing daylight he doesn't shoot that far at night no um but yeah he's got uh we just got pulsar um, we carry those at Benchmark now. And so we, we picked up one of their scopes and it's like, Des- got, hang on, describe, go into detail what this is. It's a, um, for those of thermal, you who don't know, thermal yeah, vision. I mean, yeah, I mean, cause I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so full start, this is their, um, I think it's called their trail LRF something or other. And it's a, uh, uh, thermal vision so you see heat signatures yes so it's pretty sweet i mean you just you know can see in a second when you're hunting at night you know in colder weather like instantly you can see an animal sometimes if it's you know hot out you'll get heat signatures off rocks and different things like that yeah. but oh man thermal is terrifying insane. from an infantryman's perspective <laughs> because when you're used to the idea of camouflaging your body and then blending into the like the foliage and then you're actually fighting predator. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. And then some dude 1,600 yards away is just looking at your heat signature like, yeah, I see you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You're not hiding. You think you are. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I shot, um, trying to think of other far shots. I mean, around here, it's hard to get. Oh, yeah. Western yeah. Washington's yeah. thick. No, I mean, our, our range is max 100 yards because that's all we can get out, yeah. of, the, out of the rainforest. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's really hard to get. You have to get. And then when you have access to longer distance, there's houses everywhere, you know, yeah. out in the farmlands and stuff. It's yeah. so flat. Yeah. It's, it's like hard Quit to building houses. Place. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Go away. Yeah. We need back everybody back in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, right. And go back to California, please. <laughs> There's something I like about shooting that uh, 
I don't know, like a lot of people that have hobbies that kind of find a meditative state about it. But there's something so meditative about trying to hit one particular spot or even like, I guess, sports like golf or soccer or basketball, trying to put one object in a hole. You know, and there's something so sad. <laughs> oh, man. Mike, there's a lady in the room. Hang on, hang on. I know she's pregnant, too. I'm breaking all the rules. Um, is there anything else that you like to do that like that? Do you do archery? Do you play darts? Are you a cornholer? <laughs> 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 well, I'm obviously having a baby. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's one hobby. No, uh, um, I would say <laughs> things that um, consist of that are not really. I mean, I hunt, I fish. I mean, fishing, you could uh, kind of take that. Fly or cast or? Either. Yeah, Either I fly one. fish. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're, well, we do a lot of, we've kind of brought up started bass fishing a lot more lately i've bass fished my whole life but you are trying to aim for very specific yeah. spots when you're bass fishing and it's like so satisfying when you flip it in there perfectly and it lands right in the spot yeah. but not just that but landing lightly into yeah. the spot yeah. so it's not like making a big disturbance and stuff so yeah. that's i guess along the same lines it's super satisfying yeah. um to be able to do that i Work pretty hard to. Yeah. <laughs> no, do people that, that enjoy these precision things, it's usually oh, interesting. Yeah. You find it's something so else that they enjoy, like the finesse, like you're saying, mm -hmm. just just of casting a lure for bass fishing. The way it hits, the entry, do you get that right angle? Was there a big splash? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's kind of yeah. interesting what people chase, and then the other things they kind of find interesting as well. Yeah. One of my best days shooting was I was down at the Kenmore Range, which goes out to 300 yards. And I hadn't shot my 308 in years. And so I, I got a quick zero on it at 100. And then one of the, like the, the range officers came out and he's like, hey, we're having a, a class in 15 minutes. So I'm sorry, but you guys, this, like the public hours are closed. Even the or member hours are closing down. So you guys got to be out of here in 15 minutes. And I was like, shit, I wanted to put rounds at 300 yards. And so I ran, like, we did a ceasefire. I ran all the way to the 300-yard line to set up a target, ran all the way back. And I sat down, and I'm looking at the, the bullet drop chart on the box of ammo I had. And I'm like, 17-inch drop at 300. Oh, my God, what the fuck kind of ammo? What, what am I, sh you know, and I'm, and I'm like, oh, shit, okay. So looking at the turret, like, I haven't had this gun out of the safe in years. I'm like, uh, quarter, quarter <laughs> MOA. I'm like, click, 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 click. Ah, I think, uh, I think it's 30, whatever clicks. Click, 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 click. And then I fired my three rounds and then it's, we're out of time. And I was like, oh crap. I was like, ah, I ran down to get my target. And I had put all three right through that little orange, you know, 50 cent piece size. Oh, yeah. nice. I was just like, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I made my, whole, my whole weekend, <laughs> my whole weekend was made right there. That's awesome. I was like, God damn it. That is amazing. And I the hate same shooting thing. for groups. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Oh, it's, but it's not my favorite. But it's so satisfying when you it do is. it. And so the same thing, like even though shooting rat hole groups slowly with a pistol is not relative. I mean, it has some carryover to self-defense and combat style shooting, but it is so therapeutic sometimes. Or yeah. even my granddad's old twenty two pistol, just take it out there and just slow fire. And just Good put those know. just put them right through that same hole over and over again. And it's it's just it's satisfying and therapeutic. It just there's something about it. And it, I think it's what you're talking about, Mike, is is 
just the precision, just mm -hmm. concentrating and doing something well over and over and over again is there's something to that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just an edge, like mentally, like people that like to get up and work out before they start their day. Yeah. A big reason they say is because it's like, all right, I get up. The beginning of my day, I have this giant obstacle. And my purpose is to take this heavy obstacle and get it away from me. Right. And it's really hard. I don't want to do it. And I force myself to do it over and over. But if I start my day like that, it creates a mindset where it's like, okay, you start with adversity and now you've gone through something really hard so you can coast the, through the rest of your day. And I kind of feel that same way about like shooting or precision things. Someone that's passionate of just where centimeters or just a little bit of pressure one way matters you know it's kind of an interesting mental aspect of people that you want that they like to dial in or try and just get as close to perfect as they it's can drag racing yeah. you know yeah. i grew up on a drag racing track and that's you know yeah. bracket same, racing exact like, same thing yeah you know trying there's to tune, so, there's tune so that many engines we, yeah. we can get four more horsepower out yeah. of this there's so <laughs> many things or or just like hey i i gotta run a 5-0 yeah. and if you go above it or you go faster you're, you broke out, you know, so yeah. the fastest I can get to be in 5-0, that's where I'm going, you know, so, or just, you know, your takeoffs and everything else. Uh, I do want to, because Courtney's here, I want to keep talking to yeah, Courtney yeah, no, about do it. And do stuff, it. And I feel Sorry. like not. Um, but, so you've gone over, like, your competition setup. Mm -hmm. What's your hunting setup? Um, It just kind of depends on what I'm shooting, but I just... Uh, Built a rifle recently in a seven rim mag, um, kind of a my new bear rifle because um, okay. I've really started doing a lot of bear hunting and I love it. Yeah. It's my Very favorite. Cool. It's best yeah. season. Yeah. <laughs> you can go yeah. sit at the top of the mountain in the sunshine and eat berries. Eat berries. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> What's not to love about uh -huh. that? Salmon fish, yeah. eat berries, yeah. eat a bear. Yeah. <laughs> so um, built a seven rim mag. Uh, we did a custom action on that one. So uh, Stiller Predator is what we went with. And then um, we went with um, not a carbon fiber barrel. We just started producing our carbon fiber barrels. So um, not that I was worried about anything, but more so that they were just uh, more challenging to get because we hadn't made very many of them yet. So we wanted to get them out to customers and different things like that. So I just went with a spiral fluted barrel. So it looks cool too, but mm -hmm. it's still got that, you know, heavily weight reduced barrel. Is that, is that all the fluting is? Because um, I see, like, I was just at a gun shop today, and I saw the fluted, spiraled, fluted barrel. Is there anything specific about that that makes it better, or is it just lightweight and it looks cool? Yeah, lightweight okay. looks cool. Okay, yeah. Cool. I mean, you do have, you know, more heat dispersion off of flutes because there's less material there holding it in and different things like that. And yeah, then, more surface area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it's but, it's you know, at the end of the day, it's mostly um, lightweight okay. and looks the spiral fluting is not going to do anything different for you than straight flutes it just looks cooler yeah it looks rad. <laughs> yeah. you might get a little tiny bit more weight reduction off of it if you're counting ounces but i don't know that's would be anything notable okay what, um, uh, how about well, actually what optic do you put on it what, what is your chosen glass we went with a uh loophole mark five okay um so it's kind of a heavier glass but it's big um 
What, what's the objective really diameter on the lens? I think it's a 55. Okay. Yeah. And that's for and low light, I imagine. Yeah, and then it's got a 34 mil tube on it, so you got oh, a sure. lot of dialing. A lot of dialability. Yep, 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 exactly. And it's like a 5 to 25, I think, is uh, what the magnification is, if I remember right. But an awesome scope. One of the, you know, top end of Leupold's options. Very, very clear. The um, turrets lock in place, which is really nice. Oh. And so then um, after you go full revolution, um, this little post pops up so you know that you've gone a full revolution above your zero so you okay. won't lose oh, wow. zero you know you go back down you that comes come back to center in, and then yeah. it locks back in place when you go back to zero so um a lot of good features about that scope that i like awesome and then for the stock, um, I went with our carbon fiber Ibex stock. So that's a stock that Benchmark um, has designed. We don't make it that in-house. Um, we send that out to, you know, the stock professionals to do. Um, but it's uh, set up for long-range shooting. It's got a uh, pronounced vertical pistol grip on it, um, a higher cheek piece, and um, just a very rigid quality stock, but it's also lightweight. So, um, you know, I was not thinking too much about super lightweight. I was thinking, you know, I want something good for distance. You know, people get a little bit confused by, I want a long range rifle that I can take into the high country. Okay, great. Lose five pounds and carry a five pound heavier <laughs> rifle, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. that weight on Travel your rifle light, makes freeze a difference. Night. Yeah. <laughs> so the, these super lightweight builds that people are building like five, six pound rifles are super lightweight. Yeah. I mean, if you're blacktail hunting, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest and you're shooting 50 to hundred yards, 200 yards, that's no big deal. But when you're shooting long range and you want, you know, six, 800 yards, you want a heavier rifle that, um, is going to, you know, not shift too much under recoil. And it's really going to allow you to get more accurate shots off when it really matters. It really matters not when you're shooting matches. It matters when you're shooting at an animal. Right. You, nobody wants you to wound anything. Down, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we want to make it as ethical as possible, you know, and that's a, a big question when it comes to long-range hunting is ethics, you know. Nobody wants to see anything suffer. I mean, no right-minded person does in any way. And so um, that's why match shooting is really good, being capable and confident. And that match shooting is, I think, the best comparison to real world hunting scenarios too because it puts you under stress yeah you know yeah, you and when you're limited time to range yeah. get a get a solution and then send the shot yep exactly and so when you're under that stress your heart rate elevates you get all shaky everything goes out the door and you're like not thinking right and that you know really gives you a comparable experience that's, to that's hunting. why we keep a chalada in our gear belt <laughs> yeah <laughs> helps a little bit <laughs> to get rid of the shakes yeah. uh, yeah, I uh, got a bone to pick. Hey, I, I, I had one more question about our hunting oh, setup. Go. Do you, do you carry like a rice sock or a pillow for like your under your like in competition? I know a lot of guys will have, or even like tactically going back to like my time in the Middle East. A lot of our sniper Overwatch, they'd have like the rice sock to go underneath their their buttstock or the mm -hmm. pillow under their their firing arm or whatever. Do Absolutely. you carry a lot of that stuff when you're hunting or is that purely competition? I don't carry a lot of it when I'm hunting. I, I choose one bag um, okay. to take into the mountains. You know, you can always scrunch up a coat or put a backpack under you if you really need to some more support. Okay. Um, but I, I definitely carry a bag and they make bags that have lighter. You say fill. a bag, like a sandbag or a, no, definitely not sandbag. That's okay. too heavy. Well, I mean like <laughs> the little, but, like but ones yeah. you see at the um, range. Like it's the probably sauce. about, um, you know, that big, what'd you say? Like four inches by four inches or something. Sure. Okay. Um, and, uh, it's, it's got a light fill in it. So it, it doesn't 
pack a bunch of weight and I could just clip it on the outside of my backpack. It's a little bit bulky, okay. but um, it's good uh, and it, it provides a good amount of support. Gotcha. And do you hunt with a bipod or a tripod? Pi- bipod, yeah. Bipod. If I'm, um, I, I have a tripod. Um, typically, I try to shoot off of a bipod though. You know, you okay. can try to take both. If I have to choose Is one. It just the good old Harris, like spring-loaded? Yep. good okay. old Harris. Yep, yep, that's exactly what I use. Okay. You said that you, on your gun, you have a pistol grip on it. Now, mm-hmm. earlier, I thought we weren't a fan of thumb holes because they change your finger positioning. Wouldn't that do the same? It's different. So the thumb hole stock, um, I, I get what you're saying. It kind of yeah. gives you that, you know, exactly what, what you would get out of a pistol grip um, where your thumb kind of wraps around the side. But with our stock, um, I guess a pistol grip is just more of a vertical grip um, where the, stro- the stock comes back to the end of the action and then it drops down. Um, straight so that you can have your hand in that uh, position that I was speaking about earlier where your thumb is, you know, above your trigger finger. Um, and is that also to get the position? Is that also to get the stock off the ground a little bit? If you have a pistol kind of drop on it, you've got three or four inches, so it's not resting on the ground ground on your it actually more so would rest because it it drops down versus like a a traditional stock has that you know angle um you don't usually want to use that area for support you want to support um more towards the back of the stock like where the uh the butt pad is as far back as possible because when you recoil, your gun shifts upward, just like with a pistol, your gun shifts upward. And so if you can support that area, the best that you can support it, that's going to keep the gun from having any high shots. You'll have high shots at long range if your butt is slipping at all. So that's really where you want to support it as as far back as possible. That's how I've been shooting. So good. (laughs) Good. Are are you, you mean you didn't already know that Mike? (laughs) Are you trying to get prone? Like when you can, like that's always, always yeah. prone. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the most stable shooting position. If you can shoot from the prone position, do it. Um, but if you can't, you know, seated and kneeling and then standing is kind of the, the last. Um, but that's the cool thing about matches is you practice all of those positions. Mm-hmm. So really you should be proficient at any of those positions. Mm-hmm. And, and you're resting, uh, or I guess you're shooting off of a tripod, but like sometimes. Or bipod, yeah. Or bipod, um, um are you, have you had instances where it's like, okay, well, I need a little bit more, I, I can't lay down here. Mm-hmm. I need to shoot off of a backpack or like, is there, are there certain ways that you would say, this is how you need to shoot or this is like. Yeah. I have a frame in my pack, you know, so that I can pack the meat out if I do shoot something mm-hmm. up there. And so it, it is good and stable and I could use that if I ran out of um, elevation, I guess, on my bipod. Um, but yeah, if if you can carry a tripod, you know, they make really nice carbon fiber tripods to take, and that's a really great setup. If you can get an ARCA rail, the um, tripod will clamp right onto that, and then so you just have to kind of tell the gun where to go and then keep it steady. Um, this, this, I may be talking about something that already exists, but since most people are already carrying a spotting scope, Mm-hmm. Are there tripods that are, you pop the spotting scope off, pop your rifle on? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where the arca rail comes into play because okay. typically they're using that. That's actually like a camera rail setup and they've just fashioned it for guns now. It. It's it's not anything new for the shooting industry whatsoever. Okay. And so spotting scopes typically will use that same mounting bracket and then you just flop it over. Got yep. It. yep. That's that makes sense. When you're bear <laughs> hunting, are you hunting clear cuts? 
Um, typically, and exactly, I if have. you could give drop you me give a coordinates, <laughs> of exactly where, no, 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 is that your style around here, and do you do west of the mountains for, like, black bear? Yeah, I yeah, have only yeah. black bear hunted here yeah. in Washington, and, um, I've, I find it hard to do clear cuts, typically, when you are going there, it's going to be more people, off. <laughs> so, yeah. I go into the high country, um, where, okay. you know, there's alpine, and so it's open, you'll find meadows and stuff in there, and there so you So, you're hugging ridges and, and yeah. little crevices. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's why I was wondering about, as far as getting prone in some of yeah. those spots yeah. that you're at. Yeah, it can be challenging sometimes, um, you know, and, and I have... I've shot off my backpack. Yeah. I, I think I did that last year or I used it. I had my bipod up all the way. And then I was like using the, the backpack as a support for my stock um, as well. So that's another thing that you can do to really just help stabilize your position as much as possible. Yeah. Cause like shooting, shooting up a mountain up like a snow shoot, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's pretty tough to get that angle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, going in, and that's one of the features of our stock. It has a um, a long recoil pad, mm -hmm. and so that really allows you to go in those you know extreme positions, whether it's up or down, and have a good solid amount of um, butt pad in your shoulder. Because mm -hmm. again, that that not being supported is going to help have you you know sending shots in the wrong way. Mm. What do you do with your bear meat? I was just gonna say, Wait. you put it in a bag and spin it. Please, <laughs> please tell me that. John oh, Tuss does a really yeah. good job. <laughs> I love bear sausage. You um, make like breakfast sausage or like a summer sausage? Yeah, I like breakfast sausage and yeah. um and, and you know Italian sausage stuff like that. You know biscuits okay. and gravy. I've got yeah. some other Italian sausage recipes. I I've ate wild game my whole life, so really it's like not that big of a deal. And when you shoot a bear in, you know, in the high country, it's not like bears that have been Salmon, eating fish down yeah. garbage yeah. down yeah. here, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's good meat. We got our first bear this year and, uh, it wasn't a garbage bear as most people would suspect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was amazing how fat it was and from what they're eating. And, uh, we made jerky out of it mm. and it was delicious. And then like the back straps and stuff like that, we took it, uh, archery elk hunting and we had the steaks at camp and oh. it was like it tasted like a pot roast it was it was really good I was yeah. quite surprised how good it actually was one of the best roasts I ever had somebody brought in um, that worked with me at scattered arms a long time ago and it was like smoky it was so delicious and he was like oh yeah this is bear and I was like oh I've Sweet. heard so many bad things about yeah. bear yeah. you know yeah. this is delicious yeah. there, there's a lot of different uh things about game meat that just they're garbage, like you know, like antelope. Antelope's yeah. trash, you know. And you go and try it; it's like, Phew. yeah, this is a this is finished on cornflakes, man. Like, <laughs> I can cook you duck that you love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like people are like, oh, duck's the worst meat ever. Just you know, give that to your dog. It's like, I'll I'll show you otherwise. Yeah, yeah. it's some people just suck at cooking. Yeah, like <laughs> I hate to say it, but my dad was the worst. Like. But handling he, the meat as well. Yeah. yeah. And my dad would be like, oh, it's T-bone steaks tonight. And we'd all be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, I, I didn't know I liked steak until I got married. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. no. That's terrible. I didn't yeah. either, actually. My, we didn't uh, eat a ton of steaks growing up. And uh, my husband cooked me the best steak I've ever had. And I was like, all right. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, it just goes to show that it's all about the pre preparation. 
Yeah. 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 How how you how quickly you get the guts out of the animal yeah. if you're going to do it that cool way it or and getting yeah. it cooled down. Yep. Exactly. Making it a quick clean kill. You know, no gut shots, things like that. You know, really makes a difference on the flavor of the animal. Mm-hmm. And then preparing the animal meat when you're finally going to eat it, marinating it makes a big difference. Stuff like that too. It's yeah. like yeah, I I like to cook kind of. Yeah. I don't like to clean up after it, but I like to cook. <laughs> Absolutely. Are, are you into part. cooking, Mike? hundred percent. Right. I was just because I know Jordan is because I've yeah yeah I've um, experienced it, and then I was thinking about that the other night, and I was like, because that that's going to have to be an episode coming up at some point. It's just straight cooking. Mm. I wanted um, to do that dinner party episode. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to have at some point we're gonna have to expand this into like uh, what do they call these like paywall things where you have like a membership and. That's a ways down the line. Dude, yeah, right? you, get, you, get yeah. watch, like, you can watch Jordan jerk off, but then yeah, Mike and I will cook a steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, sorry, we took, Whoa, took a drastic hey, turn hey, there, guys. Easy, easy, easy. Courtney, you had to take it into the basement, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Golly. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, for a couple I'd hundred dollars, 15 tier, bucks, he'd do it. What? $15? Yeah. I think that's stuff you can find on OnlyFans. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's almost <laughs> like, they, like, well, hang on. Because I do all the uploading into the, the podcast website, they're like, do you want to set up like a private member area where yeah. only only members can, can see Patreon. videos? Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you want to see Jordan get naked. And also, but you know what? While we're talking about Dude, it, Jordan manages the Enlightened Neanderthals Instagram Don't page. Don't even say it. Send dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll put this out here. $500 donation, you get an evening out, out where you get to go out to dinner with us. With Jordan. But for oh. $1,000, oh. <laughs> there's a post-Patreon wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to cut into my other, you know, my other business, but yeah. Yeah, freaky deaky creaky. All of you guys. Freaky what just were we kidding, talking Mom, about? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, cooking, cooking. Uh, yeah, wild game. Yeah. Well, what's 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 the best wild game you've had? Is it bear? Would you say bear is your your number one? Or no, no, definitely not. Um, I had uh, doll sheep in Alaska, and that was really. Really that, good. So that was your That's one trip to Alaska? Was yeah. So we, I did not hunt that. No, no, no. So we went to Alaska um, and worked at a lodge. And so um, in the early months it was fishing and then we went up to the hunting lodge. And so they had moose and caribou mm-hmm. and doll sheep. And that was, yeah, that was amazing. Wait, so you really, worked at the hunting lodge? Yeah. What was your job there? What'd you do? Um, so my husband was a guide. So he guided for fishing and then he was going to start working into um, hunting guiding. Um, and then I just cooked and cleaned. Whatever you could, yeah. Do, whatever right? had to do, yeah. And I was so like, did in Alaska, you, <laughs> who cares? Did you get private tours? And I mean, you know, with just the people around and stuff, like, would you go fishing and hunting as well while working there, or you were pretty much stuck doing your daily job? Yeah. So I had to do my daily job, of course, but I'd get to go fishing. Um, yeah. The hunting, you don't really, you know, get to go hunting. But when the you know clients are out in the mountains for a week or whatever, you just kind of screwing off at the lodge. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you, you're doing salmon, of course. Yeah, so they did salmon and trout um, at the lodge. So uh, lake trout, rainbow trout. um, They'd also catch uh, grayling um, and, yeah, a lot of sockeye. It's a lot of sockeye. So you're river fishing then, Yeah, I imagine? Yeah, Yeah, we were on uh, Lake Iliamna, and so they're a tributary of Bristol Bay, and so the the sockeye come up that river, and then they go through the lake and then up the rivers again. Oh, my God. Yeah. How old were you when you did that? Um... 
I I was over 21, I remember. Yeah, that we actually got married that summer. We weren't even engaged. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. We were just up there working. And it was like summer solstice is a couple days. And they're like, oh, you know, Fuck you it, should, we get, should married. get married. <laughs> and I looked at my husband. I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, sure. So oh, that was shit. our, you know, very informal engagement. And then we got <laughs> married two days later. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be that? complicated. Oh, there. like seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be it, complicated. It was awesome. I would right. do it like that forever. It was the best way to get married. Awesome. You don't have to worry about, oh, so-and-so doesn't like so-and-so and they can't sit next to each oh, other. And God. this person doesn't like this food and they can't come on this Whoa. day. It was free. Yeah. And actually, I got paid because I was still working. So. <laughs> got married on the clock. Yeah, that's awesome. No, it was great. Yeah, so so we did that, and then um, after uh, the fishing season was over, we go up to their other lodge, which was uh, north of the Arctic Circle, and um, we were uh, doing hunting stuff up there. Jeez. Yeah. You're so much cooler than us. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It just sounds. I don't even cool. know how a gun works. Let me put that out there. Yeah. yeah that um, sounds amazing. It was awesome. Life and just gets in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, now that you're back down here, like, is it, are you just like everybody else, like hunting and all that is like on the weekends or do you have, because of your, your ties with the, um, gun reviews and all that is is yeah, so is what, what we want to know is there like a sweet company hunting trip that we can somehow scab onto <laughs> i wish i have not got that opportunity yet i'm working towards it you know no um i just yeah hunt on the weekends i don't um because i take all of my um time off for the tv show i don't go on any hunting trips or anything like that oh, okay. we'd always take a trip to idaho every year my, me and my dad and my um you know some other relatives and stuff but i haven't been able to do that for a while so just you know hit it hard here learning how to blacktail hunt and brown you know black bear hunt and stuff so what's what, with the tv show and all that what's like the most surprising thing that you're running into that you didn't realize was gonna be part of the experience does the outdoor channel have hair and makeup no <laughs> well, they might but not for me <laughs> um i don't know i i can't really say that any of it was like you know super surprising I mean, I just feel like a, another person doing, you know, whatever. With shooting cameras guns. around? Yeah. Yeah, it's just with cameras around. Um, I know I still get nervous and stuff, and I screw up all the oh, time. it's so and, weird. Like, uh, I was telling uh, Greg earlier today that it is – or actually, it was you. Yeah. It, it's so natural for me to sit here and have this conversation because like. I look you guys in the yeah, – like, I like – I like look you guys in the eye. Like, and so it's – yeah, not saying like is difficult. We had, but, we had a podcast – the last podcast that just got released, I say fuck, like probably two hundred and fifty times. Don't make it into a drinking game. <laughs> uh, yeah, certainly not. No, no, you could, you could. They'd be hammered. Yeah, but well, but we're we're talking to you guys, even though we have microphones in our faces. It's it's easy to talk to you guys because we're just having a conversation. But talking into a camera for the YouTube channel yeah. just fucks me up. Yeah, it's it's a it definitely messes with your brain. I mean, you have to be, you know, on time. We have a certain schedule that we have to stick to. You need to, you know, be talking um, to each other for this amount of time. And you don't want any like lulls in it either. You know, you're trying to provide education. You don't want to screw up. It's not scripted. You know, I have to research everything. So if I have a gun review, I have to know what it is that I'm talking about. Yeah, about and it, yeah. I just it just you. It's like this, you know, it's very natural, but you, you know, you also have to uh, have a good train of thought. Right. But every once in a while you have to look at this thing that's not a human 
Yeah. And you have to look into it and talk, and it, something about it just weirds me out. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's that, that third wall, right? Yeah. 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 Or fourth, yep. Third wall or fourth wall? I don't know. I There's walls. The fourth wall. You know? Fuck, fifth wall. <laughs> That's the ceiling. <laughs> Yo, I'd be so bad on TV every time my wife's like, Spicoli, open your eyes. I hate pictures. <laughs> my wife's like, all right, smile, and the camera will be right in front of us. Yeah. And it's like a... It's like an old Sears catalog. It's like something to the right <laughs> is always going on. <laughs> Mike's always like, <laughs> I can't look straight, guys. Yeah. Can't turn left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not MB Turner. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so when, when you're doing all that, like, what was the first TV show you did? And, like, how did you get in contact with them? Like, what was the – you yeah. just you, – you were doing um, – uh, articles and just selling them to oh. magazines or no, that? I didn't start doing the articles. Um, I I've only done one. I did. A, I helped write another one with uh, one of the producers from the TV show. Um, very recently that just got published. Um, so I've got two published articles. That's it. So okay. not like an established writer or anything. Well, I mean, by that uh, means hundred <laughs> percent more than us. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, yeah. Um, I got an two hundred percent once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with the the TV show. Um, a really good friend of um, mine and, and the barrel shop and everything. He's done a lot for, you know, us and for me personally. Um, he runs the range out in Illinois that they film at. And, you know, they, they'd asked him, hey, do you know any, you know, competent female women in the industry? You know, they can't be sponsored, this and that and the other thing. And he's like, ah, let me think about it. And then he's like, oh, duh. And so he gave him my name. So then, um, you know, I went and I interviewed just like you would for, you know, other job is just a little bit more nerve-wracking because i'm like I bet. <laughs> my husband kept saying don't you know go if there's a black couch just go away <laughs> 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 just come home <laughs> just, just, just speaking of things that'll be behind a paywall <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that was a big joke um but anyways it went really well and they you know signed me on for a guest host position Wait, hang on how do you guys know what she's talking about what are you talking about? What? I was just laughing at what you're laughing at. Oh, right? yeah. I was <laughs> laughing because yeah. you guys were laughing. Casting oh, couch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? 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 Is that? Yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm a good Christian over here. <laughs> So then I got signed on as a guest host and I did three episodes. Um, and that was actually in 2020, right when okay. COVID hit. And oh, so sure. I was really worried that the show wasn't going to happen that year. And I, you know, I was like, well, maybe they'll just use the guys that they currently have and I won't even be a part of it. You know, who knows? And so it was, um, scheduled way later you know i didn't hear anything didn't hear anything and then i was like oh all right well that sucks there goes that and then it was like oh we're filming here in august and so i i flew out to illinois in august and i filmed three episodes and then they asked me to come back as a full co-host um for the next two seasons so that was cool and so this year it'll be a little bit different because i'm not shooting um anything right now so uh just lead concerns and noise and stuff for the baby so that kind of sucks yeah. oh, but yeah. um i'll still be doing some filming this year and then i'll be back next year awesome so have you always kind of dabbled in this like being like a broadcaster or a journalist or, or even with your articles writing is this something you've always done like you've had a youtube thing oh, or gosh, you're no. just like i'm gonna <laughs> give this a shot and see what they think i um I, I hated writing when I was in school. And yeah. what's funny is I, I love writing now. It's, it's it's hard to just sit down and write, oh, but like oh, when I've I had, do it, I love you, it. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt because 
I keep having this conversation with Tyler where we say school is wasted on kids because <laughs> now that we're older and a little yeah. slower, it's like, God, I would love to just to go, go read interesting yeah. books yes. and explore these thoughts I have. But instead I have or, all these responsibilities yeah. that have mortgage. to get taken care of and it all gets pushed into the background. So, yeah, yeah, that's Sorry. a good point. I, I like that. Off. No, that's okay. Because, yeah, it was totally wasted. I hated writing class. I mean, I just like do the bare minimum and go through it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I always have dreamt. I mean, I haven't told a lot of people this, but I've always dreamt of like a, like a hunting or fishing kind of show. So that, that was something that always interested me. I liked watching them. Um, I'm a big fan of Meat Eater. That's like my yeah. favorite. Yeah, is the man. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I just, I think that's a really well um, formatted show. And uh, it would just be cool to have something like that. Someday, have you but. read any of his books, like American Buffalo or anything? I haven't. Um, admittedly, I'm not a big <laughs> reader. <Yeah. laughs> One of my favorite Mike Kozak yeah. co- quotes from our podcast is, do you follow Buffalo at all? <laughs> so this, this is what we need to start asking every Bruce guest. Delos hey, do you guys, do you, Courtney, do you follow Buffalo? I try not to stand too close to those things. <laughs> um, well, they Meat Eater has some really cool stuff, but then have you seen that... Uh, is it like the star, starlight, or what's the? They made like a document. It's like a really well done. Oh, I know exactly what you are. Stars in the night. Stars in the night. Yes, yeah. I saw that. It's That's, really good. It's amazing. It's I was I was able to sit down. I, you know, uh, my girlfriend's mother is not into hunting. She she doesn't like eating. I'd bring home deer, and she was like, I I like their eyes too much. You can't yeah. feed me this. So, I, but then, like antelope, she'll eat the hell oh. of an antelope, right? Because right. she's never seen one. So, you know, so I'd, I'd like slyly sneak in like some blacktail into the diet, you know. Love it. But no, no, I'm good. Um, but uh, I was able to sit down and watch this like hunt, and I was like, this is why I like to hunt, and yeah. like show her this this really well done like What's hunting show slash like documentary. Um, about why people are into hunting. Um, stars in the Night? I believe, I believe Stars in the Night. And yeah. what, what uh, service is it on Netflix. YouTube? It's, it's on Netflix. 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 Steve Ranella. Yeah. Ranella's yeah. a great author, writer. He's so yeah. well-spoken. And even, he just was like awesome to yeah. listen to. Well, that's and, what he went to school for, I think, yeah. too. And he's just a and, really... And if you like Ranella and his writing style, uh, big shout-out to, was it Dan Flores? was his uh, one of his professors in college for evolutionary biology, and he wrote American Coyote and the American Serengeti. And if you kind of like his historical approach and just want to know more about the Americas, those two books are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. So okay. a- a- anything Ranella, Meat Eater, yeah. much agreed. He paints a, a great picture. Another guy who does really good video content for their hunting show is... Uh, the gritty bowman. Gritty bowman. Yeah. Okay. Have you have you checked out some of his bear hunting stuff? I don't stuff? spend enough time on YouTube, unfortunately. <laughs> like no, watching different things like that. You spend the proper like amount of time on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Then, then, then you're doing like, it I'm right. writing articles, bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm over here just don't like consuming talk. You know. Yeah. So that I guess that well check out the because they they do like a really cool like, um, hunting videos. They're just really like well done. Um, well, I think it just goes to show like what an amazing time it is for newbie hunters. And just like, I remember as a kid, you know, 10 o'clock would happen. 
main shows would stop airing and it'd be like, do you want to get the biggest white tail in Wyoming? (laughs) You know? And you're like, what is this? And it was some like hunting kind of thing. It's like, well, that's kind of corny or you'd see like the ultimate camo. And now walking up on the elk or whatever from four different angles. And And now it's like, you have really accomplished hunters. You have great videos. You have fantastic articles, but not only that, like that series you said, like, People seem to be more introspective into the actual act of hunting. It's not like I'm just going and killing this and I have meat. It's yeah. like, hey, man, this is beautiful. I feel grounded. I'm working hard to accomplish a goal. I'm providing food for myself that isn't hormone injected. Yeah. Like the hunting kind of world is really, I mean, one, it's gotten blown up and it, that sucks it's if a you're weird. an established hunter. But two, it's like allowing people to really enjoy it and express it more. And if you've never been in it, maybe a one, two, three, a how to get into it. Yeah, it's a weird fusion of like the non-GMO kind of quote-unquote hippie crowd that are realizing that if you want true like cage-free, non-GMO, organically fed, you're, you're not getting it out of no, – like, go e- even if it says that on the sticker at the grocery store, it, it doesn't. It, no. it does. It's not that. I don't care and what it, the whole food label says. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you, you've got to walk out in the mountains and get it yourself or raise it yourself on a farm. Yeah. Um, which th- those two camps used to be completely separate. The hunters yeah, were exactly. the rednecks and the yuppies were down in the suburbs. It's like you're shooting Bambi, you piece of yeah. shit. No, yeah, Republican <laughs> shit or something, you know? Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, if you if you want the freshest, most wholesome meat, it's kind of like you got to be wearing yeah. Birkenstocks and carrying a 30-06. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly yep. what it is. Yeah, that's perfect. That's, that should be a T-shirt. <laughs> Birkenstocks and 30-06? <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, just just a caricature of Kozak in his Birkenstocks with his, with his bow slung over his back. What's the what's the uh, best hunt you've been on? I think probably my most memorable hunt was my first um, mountain blacktail that I shot. So I've shot you know blacktail down here in the lowlands and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, two years ago, uh, I shot my first blacktail just you know up in the mountains and stuff. Um, me and my dad went hunting together because that we always hunt together. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he'd gotten his already and it was the last day, the very last day of, um, it was this high buck hunt or no, I, we don't do the high buck hunt. Um, I never have. It's definitely something that I'd like to do, but it was just regular modern season. And so, um, in the mountains, you don't get a late season, um, for modern, you, you know, get late season muzzleloader and stuff, which I did that this year unsuccessfully. (laughs) But the, um, for modern. So anyways, it was the very last day and it just, you know, all worked together really nicely. And I got a nice little, um, two point buck with little tiny eye guards. And I was like, so happy. I mean, it's not the biggest buck I've ever shot in my life, but it was just, um, a really cool experience, um, sneaking through the woods quietly and being able to get a shot off on one and be successful with it. Cause it, it's anybody who's hunted blacktail knows it's like, it's really hard. Impossible. Yeah. It's a badge Vaughn or getting yeah. a blacktail. Yeah. I, th- I think the high point of our property out at Granite Falls is rife with blacktail. I believe it. Yeah. I've seen it out there. That, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, it's that thick. hillside, yeah. the hillside we were shooting into, if you go up on top of that, it opens up just a little bit, mm. and there's game trails and droppings everywhere. Yep. 
So I, I think that next, maybe next time season comes around, we'll have to have like a friends of like you, uh, who else was on? Oh, I guess it's just been you and Dave, but like that, that would be an awesome. Yeah. Next, next episode with Courtney, we'll go on like a blacktail hunt next, next Jake. fall or something. I'm yeah, in. Jake, that's there, sorry. <laughs> that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. 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 Courtney yeah. and Jake out for a blacktail hunt. I'd love that. that. Te- teach yeah. us how to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know. Be yeah. quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you grew up. You grew up with it, right? So you're yeah. you you are a typical, you know, Northwest hunter. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which is really. Yeah, it is because I came from OMAC, where you can see for miles. Yeah. And then the first time I went hunting on this side of the mountains was at Fort Lewis, and so we went oh. kind of stomping out into the like we. This is while I was on active duty. And one of the other guys in the barracks was like, hey, man, you want to go deer hunting this weekend? Sure. And so we went stomping out into the rainforest, and I was like, dude, what are we going to shoot at? I can, <laughs> I get, like, our, our, you know, field of view is about eight meters. So <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, okay, we might be kind of wasting our time out here. Yeah. That's kind of the one thing I will say about hunting bears on western Washington, but especially in, like, our kind of foothills is, like, it is so dense, and so you get into these little concentrated pockets of where bears are, mm-hmm. and it's like you're walking an old skitter rail Rose, road yeah. or a trail, yeah. and, I mean, you can hear stuff in the distance. There, There is trails crash through berries eaten, and it's like it is kind of a fun thing because you can only see 25 yards around yeah. here that it's also when you're in the thick of it. Yeah. yeah. You're here. Yeah. You feel yeah. it though. It's that's, like, that's, I am alive. Yeah. That, yeah. That's where that lever action 30, 30 comes <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I, I was on a hunt, uh, looking for bear and I followed this trail and I was kind of just walking through and it got thicker and thicker and thicker. And then all of a sudden I was like, I, I literally, I got to get down and like crawl through this tunnel, this bear tunnel. To be oh, able to Jesus. go any farther, yeah, or scary. I just, yeah. or I just gotta push through, right? So, and yeah. I have a bow with me, and my <laughs> strings getting all, my my Good strings luck. getting all, yeah, exactly, like because I was like, I was like, I'm gonna try and bear hunt a bow or um, bow hunt a bear, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm trying to like sneak through the woods and slip through all the woods, and I I follow this trail, and it just gets thicker and thicker and thicker, and it's just you know, reprod that's probably 15 years old. And so they're planted super tight together. Uh. And I like the trail all of a sudden like disappears. And it's just like a dog tunnel <laughs> that it's like, Oh, well, so I, I got scared. Yep. I got completely oh, yeah. scared and I put away my bow. I put my bow on my back and pulled out my pistol yeah. <laughs> and just <laughs> walked through this thing with my pistol tight to my body and just kind of had to push through. And then I came up on this blackberry bush that like something was just there. Like I heard it like run off and I was like, Oh shit. Yikes. Like, and there was a the blackberries where you could see it was kind of bedded down and all the berries had been eaten. And there was like two spots where like, <laughs> a bear had just been like hanging out and you You're know in his looking, house. Yeah, looking yeah. for like fur yeah. and stuff. And it was like, holy shit, this is absolutely nutty. You know, people don't get that connection with their food. No, like no. that's yeah. so no. major. Like I think about that every time I'm like hunting, wherever I'm hunting, whatever I'm hunting. It's just like people don't have that connection with their food. Like here I was, like I was in this bear's house. It's a little, you know, his area. Like. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, you, whatever, it didn't work out, but I mean, it's just like, it's so personal. close and personal and stuff. Like you just go and you buy a hamburger. Like, you know, you don't feel what that cow <laughs> is doing. Bill Gates made this in a factory. So yeah. Now. What? yeah. <laughs> so I, I think fishing's a good medium to bring people over because I mean, you give anyone a fishing pole and they get a fish on, it's pretty hard not to get excited, yeah. you know? And you can feel good when you put it back in the water, too. Like, oh, I didn't, like, take a life of something. Yeah. yeah I didn't well, even... Yeah. Then you take it home and eat I mean, it. I mean... You're like, salmon is delicious. I'm more <laughs> for let's take the life of this and eat it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, just, like, you give that beginner a fishing pole, and it's a lot easier to club a salmon than it is to kill Bambi. A walrus, I mean. Or, yeah. yeah well, a, a baby <laughs> seal. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot easier feeling. Yeah, but look at this coat. My it's all a water dog. <laughs> but, Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like fishing is a great introduction to outdoors and actually getting someone into hunting. Like that feeling of when you catch a fish and you eat it. I mean, it's not, like you said, that connection. It's not just pride, but it's like I got this and it tastes actually really good. And there's a whole symbiotic connection of when it all comes around, when you eat it and you catch it. and. Yeah. You know, you're just saying earlier, like bass fishing and stuff, but I feel like fishing's a great, I mean, how many parents go take little Billy or Janie out and put a worm on a hook and teach her a life lesson, talk about life and connect and actually get food? Like well, even, the not, whole not, even not that many these days. Even, no. not, even not a child, but like a, a, an adult, right? Like, yeah, and yeah. having like, oh, my first experience of eating meat that I caught yeah. was, or, you know, killed was a fish. Yeah. And that, like, there, I think... I think there's something to having like a scaly creature that's not uh, human or isn't yeah. like my dog cuddly. or not cuddly. Yeah. Not yeah. cuddly. There's there's like that you know because I feel like you can get people to go uh, fishing because non hunters fish yes but all hunters fish yes you know yeah but also like so you got that or bird hunting yeah I think you can get a lot of people out and hunt you know pheasant or duck or you know grouse or whatever you're you're wanting to get them to go and hunt like that's going to be a really easy transition for people because they're not looking at it like oh my 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 yeah. dog at home has the same fur <laughs> like yeah. well even duck <laughs> is a step up like uh Ranella talks about like you don't feel bad when you kill a mosquito most no. times i just you know? killed a bug right here yeah <laughs> yeah but that's a higher but i would have killed a deer too but if that <laughs> bug was 12 times bigger you know, like the size of a mouse. That's like, kind of like hard. My favorite than... documentary, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> they killed the big bugs. Have yeah. you ever seen that movie? No, I have not. Are it's, you serious? Yeah. Starship Troopers is like that's uh, Super Troopers. Uh, yeah. That's the, that's that's that would more be a good page. hybrid. <laughs> yeah. Starship Star, Hoop, Starship Super Troopers, Troopers. Like there's there's uh, an invasion of like bugs. That are trying to take over like planet. It's a futuristic, you know, movie. But like these, it's bugs a documentary to... brought back from the future. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they kill bugs. Okay. Well, I like the idea of that. Yeah, it was like, like an bugs. early early nineties. <laughs> you know, Mike, have you not seen this movie? You're oh, looking I've at us with it. a blank face. Right, no, right. I just... He's like, what does this have to do with anything? That's what he's saying. <laughs> All I'm thinking is there's a lot of Nazi overtones in that, weren't yeah. there? Oh yeah. 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 I was interested. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. So, what were we talking about? Hunting and Hunting how it's uh, and bugs. fishing, fishing, fishing and, uh, Oh, it's easier to kill a fish yeah. than it is a deer. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's easier to kill small. To me, things. deer look like giant, overgrown ground squirrels. 
Yeah. Speaking of ground squirrels, that was the first thing I ever killed. I remember the moment very vividly. Like we we were in Montana and we were, you know, shooting ground squirrels and stuff. And I was like, I started crying and I was like, dad, why do I feel like I feel bad for feeling good for, you know, shooting these little little innocent creatures. And he's like, well, you know, we, we need to, you know, there's, you know, all these different reasons why, you know, these things are bad in this area and blah, blah, blah. And he did just like such a good way of explaining it to me. And I'm, I'm logical and I just clicked and I've never like, I, I feel guilt, you know, I don't feel guilty. I feel, you know, sadness when I kill an animal, you know, and but I know that I did it in the best possible yeah. manner. We, we shoot a lot of ground squirrels down at my parents' place because they have 200 acres of hazelnuts. And so a single squirrel will take 50 pounds of nuts a year. Yeah, they're super um, detrimental crops. But, like, I also can't bring myself to shoot thing. You know, like, I've had uh, the coyotes will come into the surrounding fields, but they don't come into the orchard. And so I've been out there and had them in my crosshairs, and I just can't do it because I'm like... They're just out there doing what coyotes do, yeah. And they're they're not bothering the orchard. So, what what am I doing? And I can't I can't like <laughs> I've I've been right there with like my finger on the trigger and thought, nah, can't yeah. do it, can't do it. I'll do it. I love but, shooting uh, coyotes. Yeah, let me, let me add them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that was one thing I was going to ask. Like, is your is your house just full of pelts? Like, yes. you guys keep yeah keep all those <laughs> pelts and stuff. Like, I I would love because I've I've never shot a coyote. Oh, really? Yeah, how you believe that crap? Like, yeah. uh, so, I mean, I've, yeah, I just never, never got into it. It was always like, okay, I'm going to do this for meat, 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 meat. Yeah. And as part of me is like, I want to go shoot one of these things and yeah. maybe just get a little aggression out because I got four dogs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I can't shoot them. Just kidding. I just want to shoot I a love, corgi. I love, one of these days I'm going to shoot a goddamn I love, corgi. I love my dog, but <laughs> golly, can they make me mad? Oh, oh yeah. God. No, I, we, we have a lot of furs in our house. We've got, you know, some rugs and, but you know, just like a lot of hanging pelts, like our bedroom's got like, like six in it. <laughs> so, I have an awesome picture of them all laid out on the couch and I'm laying on yeah, them on the couch. Yeah. Well, right. there's something nice about like furs, like just oh, people, yeah. people like lose that connection. I mean, we've talked about like different, different fibers that we wear. Um, they're not good for your body. Yeah. Right. So like having like Plastics. polyester, like this is all yeah. this, what I'm wearing right now is just nothing but plastic. Yeah, it's not a natural material. Yeah. Like, it's all polyester. Yeah, cotton cotton is natural, wool is natural, mm-hmm. furs are natural. And there's something to having actual natural fibers and furs around you that like it makes you feel better. Like I, I like wood, I like rock, I like all those things, but when you're when you're around a bunch of I paint, love rock. I love rocks. I love uh, lamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but there's there's something to that. Like there's something that like makes you feel good about having like fur. Like the, mm-hmm. you don't you don't ever see anybody see fur and not go up and put their fucking hand on it. Pet it for a while. The, yeah, <laughs> everybody yeah. does it. Everybody yeah. does it. Even if it's like you know, some people are like oh that's a dead animal and they won't and they're freaked out about it. But it's like you you know they want to touch it. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. You know? I, at my dad's house when I was growing up, we had them you know all along the back of the couch and stuff. And I had you know a friend come over and she you know leans up against the couch and you know she's kind of petting it and then she's like. Feel something kind of like hard on it. She looks at it and it's got you know the face on it. Still, she's like, oh. then, then she's weirded out by it. <laughs> it's like, like oh, you didn't like real. it now that it has a face. Okay, yeah, this is real. It came from a body. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot to be said about having like natural. I, I wanna. I would love to go on a bear hunt uh, for like brown bear. Mm. 
and get a rug. What's the difference between a brown bear and a grizzly bear? Brown bear or coastal? Yeah, yeah. It's it's their region. So, like, yeah, you have in Kodiak, you have brown bears, and along the coast and stuff, you have brown bears, and then inland are grizzly bears. So are like, they genetically the same, or is it literally two different species? I think they're two different species. I, I but They definitely get bigger on the coast, but that just could be food availability. Oh, so yeah. a brown bear is bigger than a grizzly. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, I yeah. thought grizzlies were the like kings. Like, Kodiak brown bears are massive. Yeah. I but think they're, they're not, like, the biggest. Uh, okay. And they're not grizzlies. <clears throat> Technically, I don't believe so. But, I mean, I'm speaking above my pay grade. Yeah, me too. I thought a brown bear was a grizzly. Me too, but I don't. A grizzly can be a brown bear, but a brown bear can't be. Not all grizzlies are brown bears, but all brown bears It depends on how they identify. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess when you're just talking about them, that's just, like, regions. Yeah, I I mean, I've never done it. I just, I know that there's there's a difference, and the brown bears, I believe, are the big ones. Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. I thought the grizzlies were the, the monsters. They're the mean ones you good, don't want to have good, any encounters yeah, exactly. with, for sure. Brown bears on the coast, like, and that's, like, what we had when we were in Alaska was all around us was brown bears. And oh, so they're, they're well pretty, fed on salmon. They're yeah, like, they don't whatever. mess with you unless you get between a sow and cubs. You pretty much are safe. Okay. Do you ever see Grizzly Man? That's the guy who, like, lived in the woods with yeah. the bears and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Alaska, yeah. he ended up getting eaten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they're my friends. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. call, guy. Yeah. Every day, my husband had this, like, yearling bear that would come down to where they'd park their boat, and he'd, like, try to get in the boat. He'd put his paws on the boat, and he'd, like, bounce on it. He's trying to steal life jackets and stuff. Like, it was just, like, a little raccoon, but it was a big bear. Yeah. A, a super deadly raccoon. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah. Black, black bears are, like, over grown raccoons yeah the little trash pandas big, yeah no big doubt. trash pandas yeah. yeah i got a buddy who lives on uh what is that uh bear creek and are in there Wood- bears on bear creek in there Monroe? Are, there are in woodenville whoa um and he has bears constantly coming up and just tearing up his trash cans <laughs> you well, know and that's why that's why they don't call it the creek yeah he's got he's got a couple uh um English bulldogs that come out and like rah, 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 get the hell out of here, you know. And it's like hey, these bears go running off, and it's just like oh, that's he if only me they videos. knew. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they have no clue. Yeah. But I also feel like you know some bears just they don't understand necessarily how big they are compared to like this dog that's coming out right. all aggressive, you know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, anyway. guys. Well, we are at the two hour mark. Wow. So, Courtney, do you have any websites or social media you want to plug? Um, well, I don't have a personal website, but like, you know, Benchmark Barrels, if you want to go check them out, it's benchmark-barrels.com. Um, and then Handguns TV, um, or handgunsmagazine.com for the TV show. And then, um, I'm on Instagram as PNW Court, and that's Court with a K. Courtney okay. with a K. <laughs> what, what's the TV shows you're on? Uh, Handguns and Defensive Weapons and the Handguns now, but yeah, okay. it's one show. Okay. Yeah. And are 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 there? I, I'm sorry to keep going. Uh, are are there other shows that like you're thinking about, or like is there any talk of anything no. like that? Just doing that. That's yeah. That's but you're, now, you're going full, now. now you're a full host. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. I got a question. You said handguns and defensive weapons. Mm-hmm. What does defensive weapons qualify as? Like a samurai sword. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, That's no. what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, like shotguns and ARs. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but so um, no ball and mace or you know <laughs> just real medieval stuff. No medieval stuff. No, but we you know talk about flashlight tactics and knives and stuff too. Okay. But yeah, it's going just to be handguns now. Okay. On that line, and I again keep, <laughs> keeping it going because why not? You know we're here now. Yeah. I got you here because uh, I got to ask you after anyway. Uh, what do you carry? Oh, um, well, yeah, it depends so. on what I'm wearing. Um, since I am, you know, getting a little bit too big for all of my clothes these days, um, concealed carrying is much more challenging, but I have an LCP right now. Okay. Um, but I, uh, like my what choice. Is, what's an LCP? A Ruger, little tiny okay. pocket pistol, you know, just right there. Um, and then I have a, uh, a 365 XL that I would carry normally, but yeah, belts and stuff, nothing really yeah. sits right these days. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have to modify a little bit, but yeah. Okay. LCP, right on. Yeah. Yeah. LCP and a uh, preferably. What's the thing? LCP changer chambered in? Is that 380? 380. Yeah. Okay. I, I love it. It's, it's kind of a girly little pistol, but it's fantastic because you can just throw it, you know, in your pocket or um, in a pocket in your purse or whatever. And just, you always have something on, you don't have an excuse to not carry something because, Oh, my shirt's too tight or whatever. It's, it's uh, it doesn't take up any room and you always have that assurance that you have something. And your, your SIG's a nine. I take yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. It's a nine. It carries like, you know, 13 rounds instead of Six, yeah, so. <laughs> and it has a red dot on it. It's way better. Yeah, <laughs> way more better. Yeah, way exactly. <laughs> well, those red dots make a huge difference. Oh yeah, such a big difference. Absolutely. So I, I just got my girlfriend one. So or, oh, nice. I'm sorry, she bought it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want anybody don't, don't to. Say that. Yeah, golly, <laughs> I don't know. We're recording this. You know, these SWAT teams are getting, already roping in on your house right now. And they, I mean, they, the FBI called Tobin just the other day. So you know. Get ready. I'm, I'm on the naughty list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you can find us at Instagram, Enlightened Neanderthals on more all one word. That's uh, Jordan managing that. So again, why do you keep saying that? Because <laughs> he's like, because this is send all the hate to Jordan. Send, uh, send dick pics uh, to enlighten Neanderthals. <laughs> all one word on Instagram. We have a huge female following. I'll have you know. <laughs> three, it's it's right three. Here. <laughs> We're up to four now. Our wives and Courtney. Yeah. Yeah. Huge um, female. Following. <laughs> oh my god! They talked about bullet calibers for like an hour. I couldn't. Turn it off. <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> what can I say? Anyway. Oh, man. And uh, trainingnorthwestllc.com. Mike? Electric North Jiu Jitsu. Come know. wrestle me. Yeah. Jordan, you got anything you want to plug? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. No. Later, maybe. We'll see. You know, I'm working on it. All right, guys. All right, have a good Thanks one. for listening.